This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaker. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy, wonder I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gatto, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. The Barbara Gordon Podcast, episode 208 for June MMXXI. Happy Pride Month! Back of the Oracle is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, and bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. 
So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. Well, this guy doesn't normally answer questions, but I will demand answers on this particular episode. And this issue we're going to get to, really the main event, he's been waiting for this issue. So without further ado, let me introduce former beloved, sometimes beloved, <laughs> mutual boyfriend of Harold and I. It's Donovan Morgan Grant. Welcome back. Thank you. And I just want to say right off the top, I've never betrayed anyone in my life. <laughs> As he shifts his eyes back and forth. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, Harold likes, I guess he likes to compete with you. When you come on, he was sort of doing his homework to be able to to top you or just keep in step with you? Do you feel like now that he had come back on for Resident Evil 8 discussion that you now have to one-up him as well, or is it just friendly competition? Well, the time has passed for the first part of this, but the only way I could was if we both had completed the next part of the Final Fantasy VII remake together. That's true. So clear, clear, because I guess the only other video game discussion you and I have had has been about Spider-Man. So clearly, I can't imagine. And I said, "Oh, hey, hey, Harry, you should you should play this." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, I might," but like uh, he hasn't yet. So uh, <laughs> we must do it before he catches up. He does well with deadlines, but as we as we saw, he didn't do as well with the deadline I gave him for for Village. But he had, in his defense, he did have some outside stressors, moving and things like that. So yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, I actually wanted to start this episode off talking about oral sex. Yo, I don't think we should talk about oh, this. Come on, why not? People might misunderstand what we're trying to say, you know? Yeah, but that's a part of life. I'll give you context, and it's about the Harley Quinn TV show. Uh, because there's like a double stay. I just want to talk. Which, would you about believe this? this is? This, would you believe that this has been in my brain for like the past two weeks? Okay, well, uh, we can get it out on your brain. And I normally wouldn't even care. I think, except it, it sounds so ridiculous. And then also, if I think about that trash terrible movie i guess i shouldn't say that because i've never seen it the killing joke like there's something weird going on that you're saying it's for one thing but you don't think about repercussions of sexual acts and in other media but anyways so there was a recent interview with variety and harley quinn co-creator and executive producer justin halpern revealed where his corporate bosses drew the line even if he had a pretty good response to try to sway them to his side So he says, quote, it's incredibly gratifying and free to be using characters that are considered villains because you just have so much leeway, Halpern told the magazine. Quote, a perfect example of that is in this third season of Harley when we had a moment where Batman was going down on Catwoman, he continued, and DC was like, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. They're like, heroes don't 
do that. So we said, are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers? And they were like, no, it's that we sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. End quote. I think I saw this first on IGN. And I think my first comment was like, so we're saying heroes only do missionary, I guess. But uh, there's so much to, to, to pull apart. The toys is it kind of blows my mind because I'm thinking toys. This is okay. Are you assuming that like 13 year olds are watching Harley Quinn, which they should not be watching Harley Quinn? Yeah. But, you know, adults, they collect toys. Look, there's, you know, I've got my pop figs and everything. So that's like a different animal because people are still going to buy that. The whole I don't know. It's like you pulled out an act of love that like heroes can't do it's kind of really weird i don't know is that that almost i think portrays that sexual act as like devious and really dirty and so heroes can't do it and then again i'll pull up just like the double standard if if i think about the killing joke that bruce and babs you know there's a bit of a an age difference and like you've got the mentor and mentee relationship. Is he taking advantage of her? So that's almost like, could you not have used that argument as well? Like mentors don't have sex with their mentees. We try to sell toys. We can't do that. I, you know, where are your thoughts on that? This just kind of blew my mind. Now I don't watch Harley Quinn, but just when I was reading that, there's some sort of fallacy there, I think, connecting this like sex with, with consumer toys, but just also like Batman and Catwoman, they can't be doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, okay well i'm going to show you uh a screenshot i don't know if you can actually make it out but this is the text this is a study i literally stayed up uh one night reading all dozen pages of the study on the his uh, on a on, it's a uk study done in regards to modern day ta- uh sexual taboos among young people when it regards to oral sex because i am working on an essay about Batman and uh, masculinity that was definitely kind of, you know, urged on by this topic. Uh, it's part of a larger thing. Well, it's actually uh, an evolution of a book review I was going to do. The book titled Batman and the Joker Contested Sexuality Through Queer, Queer Theory because this kind of springs to mind something that's been going on. And I, I honestly don't want to talk about this too much, but I will. This, this kind of springs going on like, like a real invested interest in Batman's sexuality i would say the last 10 years like since 2011 i would say it's much more concentrated so like when it comes to like my reaction my reaction is that this is part of a larger issue but in regards to that that specific thing yeah that's ridiculous i mean like <laughs> harley quinn's major fandom is young girls i know this because i see young girls looking for the dc superhero girls harley quinn stuff in the kids section at barnes and noble um and i understand that the merchandise for that character is huge in that department so where was where was Warner Brothers when there's a scene in, in the Harley Quinn show where she wakes up with Ivy, um, like like they had like a, like a they had a joke and run one night stand or whatever they don't really remember what happened then Ivy or then Harley like 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 spits a leaf out of her mouth like you know like and as you mentioned you know you have Batman and Batgirl hooking up in the Killing Joke, but even even to the most like stoic academic was really fraught because it it does reek of like a student a teacher you know, mm-hmm. affair. You have him killing with abandon in Batman v Superman and not really paying for it or feeling bad about it. You have all these recent instances of arguable immorality when it comes to the purported like heroism of the character. Recently, this doesn't really compare. 
like um it on the one hand it kind of gets in this idea that like cunnilingus is a bad thing and it's it's no more filthy or naughty or wrong than any other part of sex act because sex is natural and there's nothing really wrong with it. That just comes down to like misogynist taboos. And, you know, they've done a lot of really weird crap on that show in the first place. That's so what, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't track as anything particularly vulgar compared to what's come before. And it's a it's a hypocrisy that when it when that quote came out, it was like DC and Warner Brothers, they are really, really asking for it. Like, 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 like every time someone's made fun of them, they kind of had it coming. Although, like, the comments on Batman are kind of frustrating because, like, I can't imagine Batman. I mean, I mean, there's also like other elements to his character that I'm exploring, including uh, the idea that he might be asexual. If you listen to the latest episode of Q No Way, but also the idea that he wouldn't do that is stupid. So, I mean, like, it's a non-starter, and, you know, if they didn't want to risk that idea, then they should not have done a lot of other things before this, and they also should have greenlit the Harley Quinn show in the first place. But, yeah, it's it's not a question. It's one with an immediate answer, and, and it's, you, guys, you guys are being hypocrites and also uh, really, really sexist as well. Yeah, it's a bit bizarre. I did like how uh, Halpern actually brought like his immediate reaction was, are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers, that they would just be looking for their own gratification and not be looking to to please their partners. I didn't like I'm, I, I, I was thankful that he brought that up. And they're like, no, no, no. It's about the toys. <laughs> I don't know. That's I guess so I stupid. don't really look at Harley Quinn that show. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's all about the twist. But we know that that is a response consistently. That's a, a large reason why there, you know, things have fallen off like Batman. What was that called? That Batman. Batman damned. No. Oh, that. I mean, I was thinking about that. No, that one 3D cartoon that was around the same time as the. Uh, Beware the Batman. Yes. And remember, it didn't know. Is it, is it Beware the Batman? Well, that's the only 3D Batman cartoon I know of. Yeah. With Katana and yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so that canceled, like a lot of things canceled because toy sales were low or they look at, can we have toy sales for this? Sales for this? Yeah. So Static, Young Justice, yeah. those two. Yeah. So it's interesting that that's always their their knee jerk reaction is can we sell toys and how can we sell toys? But again, my thing would be like, why would children be buying toys for this? Uh, it's going to be an adult audience. But yeah, you said you didn't want to go on, I, presumably because you're you're writing your essay, you don't want to give your thoughts away. Yeah, I write about my essay. Um, and also like like the the online conversation about this is just really really tiring it's really more uh it really consists of people trying to kind of like outwit themselves in terms of like the fastest one with, with the hot takes um and not really thinking because it isn't actually the, the answer himself is stupid but it speaks to a larger much more i think interesting topic but people aren't going to go there um there were, there were some funny jokes about it like comparing him to dj Khaled and stuff but like uh generally speaking like it's what it's kind of a demon in my brain i kind of want to get get rid of sure. through this essay of course, I'm not. I'm not accusing you of anything, but you know, it's just generally speaking. No, it's like yeah. this is this is this is like like literally today. And you mentioned the Killing Joke. I was reading an essay about like uh, the Killing Joke as read through a queer lens, and like you know, they they reference the the um, the animated movie, and they don't have good things to say about it. But just in terms of like how you can read Batman and his history or whatever, there's a lot more intriguing elements. Of course, superheroes and sex. 
that's not really a new idea. That, that goes back far, way farther than I even knew in my research. But that's not really what the conversations had resulted. That's not really what the conversations are about that resulted from this, um, this stupid instance. So. Uh, just kind of, I guess. I guess if anybody's interested in that, stay tuned for that. Yeah, I I am interested in that. I, I Princess Weeks, she did a quicker video. I think she's prepping for for something. Oh, a WandaVision, <laughs> and so in between, she had done something. I only had watched a bit of it, but I'm interested to see what her take is on all this stuff that's happening. I saw that she did that, and I, and I was like, I'm sure this will be the same like sardonic thing, but like uh, I'll probably will get to that before I <laughs> put pen to paper. <laughs> Well, you know, that's that. I I will say, you know, I've read my fair share of fan fiction, so I'm sure I've encountered it. Probably not. I don't tend towards Batman (laughs) fan fiction necessarily, but my... What I'm thinking about right now, which I never... I think you have to pay in order to see the full image, but do you remember that you tagged me on... It was either Instagram or Twitter that Babs Tar had done that, that image with Dick and Babs. Do you remember? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, I don't. I, honestly, I and don't know like what they're doing. It's like pay to see the full image. I'm like, um... I don't know what they're doing, but I know that like they're both really sweaty. <laughs> it's clear to me what's going on. But anyway, all that to say, uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say. I, it just was so bizarre that we're like having this, you know, discussion that this would happen. But there it is. I'll, I'll, the last thing I'll just say is that like it's. I mean, it's this is a Warner Brothers mandate. It's ridiculous to think that Bruce Wayne wouldn't do that. I mean, it's he's he's done a lot of he's done, he's done weirder stuff than that. I'll just yeah. say, I'm sure he has. Uh, and Selena, you know, if I think about Selena, because with with Bruce, I could totally see that. I I almost well, I'd be interested. What you would have to. Say she would about never put up with him if she, if he didn't do that. <laughs> I was going to say, and when I look at Selena, I feel like she's a very sexual being not sexualized but just someone who's very comfortable with her sexuality uh i feel like she is a bi character i don't know if that's canon or not but someone who is comfortable with sex and and would do uh i don't know many things and so i feel like she has a whip yeah many things would be on the table with her so it completely makes sense yeah even if it were her idea and not bruce's like this would totally be happening but anyways we'll move on i guess that makes this a pg-13 show but i just thought wouldn't it be funny if at the top of the show i bring this up (laughs) okay i I, I don't know why i didn't expect it (laughs) i know did you know what was happening when i said it i really i really did it's because i I spent the entire day reading and reading and reading for this purpose of this essay so like i don't know why i didn't see it coming but yeah that's okay i did want to at least we haven't it hasn't been revealed but a batgirl costume is being redesigned by bruno redondo and tom taylor we'll say so that has been publicized by them that something's coming out and so my initial question which I think I, I put in the actual tweet, what are those called, thread, is for whom is this costume? And of course, some man said Babs. Like, okay, I guess that makes sense as the first answer. But for me, it doesn't make sense that Barbara would be the one getting this costume. Can we just talk about the costume as an idea? We don't have the design yet. We don't know for whom it is. But we've we've discussed this a bit back and forth. I mean, it is the the Acro the Oracle podcast. So I thought we could we could at least bring it up and just the idea of it. Do you have any thoughts about this Batgirl costume? And then who should be getting it? And if Barbara does get it, what does that mean for the character? 
<clears throat> well, honestly, my mind did go to Barbara just because I know that's where DC DC thinks that Barbara Gordon is Batgirl. At mm-hmm. least, at least they have for a long time. Believably, I thought, you know, it probably it's owed to Stephanie Brown because Cassandra's in her Batgirl costume, Barbara's Oracle, and Kaz or uh, Steph. At best, she has a Batman crest on her chest, but like she's still just a spoiler. But she is addressed as one of the Batgirls, so it ought to be her. I mean, how was it even three years ago when we got the like blue and gray Batgirl suit with the um, with like the backpack? Like that was not a long time ago. No, it was not. Um, so I feel it ought to be Stephanie, and I think that like the most importantly, I really feel as though the current people at, at writing the Batman comics right now are not only looking forward. But they're looking forward in a way which brings everybody with them. They're not looking to make Barbara Batgirl again. Most importantly, because they canceled her title. I mean, there's not really a cry for Barbara to be Batgirl again. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it might be Babs just because of like how DC has been in the last decade. But of recent notes, I don't know if they would make it Barbara. And I'm hoping it's not. And like if it is Barbara, then I, then I don't care. Like what would, I, what would I care about that for? So like... um. Because I like her as Oracle, so like um, I'm I'm kind of like you know holding my eyes and pushing the button, thinking it's going to be Stephanie. Yeah. But um, I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I think one of the reasons why I I don't know if dread is too heavy of a term, but dread that it may be Barbara is just narratively it makes sense because if it's from Tom Taylor and Redondo, then she's been appearing. She's the only one really that we've seen in the Nightwing book. And so they would need to be doing some work to pull in the other person, whoever would get it, because we've only heard Cass and Steph mentioned, but we haven't seen them. Robin is the only other person we mentioned. So I would just have a problem with, oh, we're giving this to Steph. Steph hasn't been in this book at all. So that would be like a narrative problem. But I want it to be someone else just because we've had, and I even tweeted specifically to Tynion and Taylor, I said, please, can you not regress Barbara for the fifth time since the new 52? Because after every arc, it's like, I'm taking a new set four. I'm going to change my life. I'm like, can this please be the last time? And she seems pretty resolved where she is. She's trying to figure out if she's back or Oracle, but she seems pretty settled where she is right now, even if she is in this in between. And I think it would be a regression to bring her back to Batgirl. I think she's kind of in this nebulous space, but she's tending towards more Oracle stuff, I feel like. So I hope it is somebody else. I feel like, yeah, it might be Steph. I mean, I'm going to show some stuff from Joker 4, just Steph and Cass appearing. But yeah, I think they just would need to explain, I think, if it were one of those. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's the costume weighs so heavy and it's, it's not just the costume <laughs> putting on her that feels like a regression, but what does that, how does that take her with story wise? And then is she just like this side character in somebody else's book? That feels a bit weird too. Like, I, I feel like Batgirl is one of those characters that deserves her own book. So yeah, mixed feelings, I guess. I don't have a <laughs> one way or the other. Guess we'll see. It's weird. Also, even though I didn't like it, it's not like I'm going to defend it. But that Oracle suit that like, you know, it made I was going to say it made headlines. It was at least publicized. It like came out. What It was just that one side. I can't remember what book that was in. 
I think it was that anthology book, but now it's like not been seen again. That green jumpsuit. Do you remember? You don't even remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it was, yeah, I guess better left unsaid that we uh, don't have to see it anymore. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see what it looks like for sure. Okay, so final thing, just before we get to our reviews, or I guess I just want to pop up or show Joker number four. So this was interesting, and I think this potentially proves what you're saying, that Steph could be the front runner. And I will have to say that, yeah, spoiler gear and then with the bat symbol, but also it gives me lots of Brian Q. Miller back roll feels just with the color scheme and, and how it looks. But I like this, that she's working with Steph, that Steph is doing some Oracle with Oracle. And then later on, you actually, there wasn't much for Cass to do, <laughs> but uh, that she, you know, actually appears and that, you know, the three of them are on a team doing different things, but they're all working for a particular goal and purpose. And Oracle slash Barbara is certainly the leader of that. And this is like, you know, if I were to just pull this page or the this scene, I guess this chapter, whatever chapter it is, this is what I envision the Batgirls book and what it could be really is that Barbara's there and, and she's the, the handler. And then we've got field agents and, and she's training them to be like her, but also to learn from her and, and become their own entities as well. Did you enjoy uh, these scenes or this scene, I guess, from the Joker number four? Uh, oh, sure. You know, I mean, like it's, it's, it's these characters I love is Gillian March. He's not drawing Catwoman's feet. It's a, it's a good time. And as recently as this week's issue of detective comics, Cass and Steph are still running around going, Hey, Oracle, it's the Batgirls. So, this is an idea that's like done yeah. that, that's a, that's really being seeded into the re- the readers' minds. If they were to kind of turn around, like, "Hey, everybody, new cut back across for, for Barbara Gordon," uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, yeah. the way that social media is now with the current creators, how involved they are with like kind of fan response. I, I, I this this is not Dan and on Jeff Johns anymore. I feel as though they are not stupid enough to do what they've been doing the last year and then just just pretend that like. Batgirl's abortive last volume didn't happen and just give her, you know, and you make a good point about like, you know, if she were to remain a supporting character, but be Batgirl again, that'd just be odd mm-hmm. because uh, she's prominent in several books. And also it's like, they're, they're almost her supporting characters, practically so. So yeah, I, 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 I think that they're kind of like, like testing the waters for a Batgirl book. They, they, I think I'm not predicting this because I'm really not positive, but what might happen is that they give Steph a Batgirl suit and then they, give them some backups and then maybe launch a mini series or a series on it. Yeah. Here's hoping. And they'll probably try it out and get, do that whole thing where they just give it, you know, six to 12 issues and see how it's selling and then either proceed or, or drop it by the wayside. But yeah, I mean, I trust like maybe I'm foolish to put my trust in Tynion, but I feel like he wouldn't. No, he's a good that. guy. Yeah. I, I think he knows what he's doing. And I think he has power potentially to tout and make some stuff happen, which I hope he does. We, we, we have, we have Tynion on Batman. We have uh, Tamaki on Detective Comics. We've got uh, Taylor on Nightwing. Chip Zdarsky uh, is doing a lot of Bat Family stuff in Batman Urban Legends with his, um, with his leading uh, Jason Todd story. That's, that's Bruce, Jason, and Barbara. Um, it's solid. 
there's some various backups that highlight the Bat Family. So I feel that there's much more attention on the Bat Family. It's not just the Bruce Wayne trauma show or the Bruce Wayne Catwoman Romance Hour, by Tom, which was all of Tom King's run. So I just, I mean, like, I, it's, we've been so burned on this for a while that we have our defenses up. But just looking at how things have been, I can't imagine it, it being like a, just a Barbara Gordon is Batgirl dance again. I think it's going to be something much more in lines of what people are kind of wanting to see. Because uh, I don't know. And again, like Tom Taylor, you know, he's done other Bat Family stuff with like Deceased. Uh, he's been very much about the family uh, in Nightwing. So yeah, no, I, I, uh, I'm not negative about this. I, I, I'm, I'm interested just because if, if this is Batgirl thing, I would be pissed. But like or Barbara Gordon thing, but like uh, I feel that like it's going to be something that we would not dislike. Yeah, here's hoping. Fingers crossed. Fingers and toes. Okay. Well, the last segment before we get into the main event is, of course, find your joy, which is Shag's mac and cheese of comfort and joy. Donovan, do you have anything that's been bringing you some some funsies? Uh, a couple of things. I have recently finished season one of Gravity Falls. <gasps> Finally. Yes. Get it. Yes, I have. Get it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, today I watched the one where they're at the at the mini golf thing, which was which was funny, and 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 it's good. It's it's it's. Uh, I, I think I like that this second season is getting just a little bit more serious. Which is kind of what I was anticipating, just kind of like, like from like general word of mouth of the show. But like, it's it's still funny as ever. It, it's a case of like every day thinking, oh, okay, you know, I this is a, this would be a good time. I'm having lunch or whatever. This would be a good time to get an episode in. Uh, I look forward to watching it. In addition to that, I watched uh, Star Trek's four and or sorry, five and six of the original movies, and for very different reasons, I enjoyed I, I enjoyed five on an almost ironic level, and I enjoyed six. On a, on a genuine quality level. And I thought those were really good. Is five the one with the whales? That's four. Five is the one oh, okay. where, where Shatner's like, what is God? And he was a starship. I watched them all once upon a time. So it's hard. They all meld together. Have you seen the scene where Grungle Stan is pug pug uh, trafficking? No, I don't, know, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> okay. Okay. You have, you, have you seen the news story where they went through all of Grunkle Stan's criminal charges? They're like, no, we're going to dedicate this segment. Has that happened? Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. I, 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 don't, I don't think so. You're fine. Sometimes Donovan sends me out of context videos, which are funny. Like Seuss pretending to be a pig or something. And then that man came out and he's like, I'd eat you. I still eat you. <laughs> Oh, oh boy. Well, I, let's see. I'm still, I'm still trying to make it. It's gotten much better. I will say my job, but boy, was that overwhelming on this past weekend. I went to Bush gardens. So that was Mm. super exciting. I went with little Ellie Sawyer. She's not little anymore. She has now graduated from the university of Virginia and will be a nurse starting in August at the UVA hospital system. And then also in early June, I went to see a professional women's soccer game. My favorite team is Orlando pride and they were playing the Washington spirit at home. So I drove up to DC and saw that. So that was a lot of fun. And there was a tie one, one, but the pride has had some rough seasons in the past that are usually last and they are top, knock on wood. They are top. Um, they haven't lost yet. So they've just had those. Yeah. The, the, the ties. Um, so I've, I've been enjoying that. So I think that's it. Yes. Oh, and I brought I bought some Broadway tickets to see Six, which is a musical about Henry VIII's 
six wives, which wow. sounds crazy, but I'm looking forward to it. And then one of my former students, she is going up to grad school at Columbia. And so we're going to go and see that together. So I'm excited. So that'll be in October. Oh, that's nice. Ah, yeah. It's nice to have connections like that. Okay. So here it is, folks. The main event. Donovan even wore a shirt that says, I believe in Cassandra Kane. He's I sure did. Before, of course, but this is, it's really important that he wears that today. The I tweeted out that this is the final round, cast V Shiva and Lady Shiva. What's that Twitter handle? Uh, let's yes, talk Lady Shiva. That's what it is. She or they or he put down money on Shiva. And I said, <laughs> I'll take that bet. So we'll see what happens. Who wins? Does somebody win? Can we, even before you do your synopsis, what is your history with this particular issue? I mean, is this your favorite issue in the whole run? Would you say? Is that a hard question? Sorry. <laughs> but what's your history with it? At least we could say that. I think it's just it's just once you reach a finale, you just remember like oh, this is all I've been building this because it's not. I mean, like once I started reading this Batgirl volume and getting to this, and you know this this was this is the main storyline so far. So it's just that it's just a big culmination, and I think it's definitely. I feel that like it's definitely where the series has been leading up to, where the character has been leading up to. This is still a very new character back when this was first written, Cassandra Kane. My favorite issue is probably. Uh, I don't know if I have a single favorite one, but like. Uh, it's like a combination of like, you know, 7, 8, 13, 23, and this. So I guess this is part of the, the table of the five favorite issues. Um, I remember I was, I, I was, I was, I had some class in college that was about visual imagery or whatever. And I remember bringing my copy of Batgirl 25 and showing them this cover. I wish Carolyn Coco were here to, uh, to talk about this cover. Um, because of the Tatas? Well, yeah, it's a it's a great, awesome battle damage cover, but it's like it's it's almost like uh, Master of the Martial Hearts, that that <laughs> terrible anime where they punch each other off and their clothes blow apart. Well, yeah, my chief Tata correspondent would have something to say about that. Also, I get, I guess, I get confused with Cassandra's, and I don't, I talk about boobs and Tatas a lot on the show, but her chest size i feel like is pretty large in that cover and i i always feel like not necessarily that she's flat chested but she yeah i don't know yeah she shouldn't be like this <laughs> i wouldn't think so but that's just me okay what's your history with this did you say my history is only that like you know just kind of like, like once i reach the issue ah it's all been leading to this this is a this, i i i very much enjoy it and okay. a lot of a lot of the stories afterwards kind of have to measure up to this overall storyline <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, this is I told everyone how you were betraying this podcast because you didn't want to be on it anymore. That's <laughs> exactly true. <laughs> uh, I You're like, after 25, I'm not going to be on the cover Cassandra. Uh, I'm like, wow, OK, we may that's hang not so. Uh, <laughs> You've got oh, some boy. explaining to do. OK, so Donovan, do you want to lead us through a synopsis of Batgirl number 25? Yes, and I certainly would do Batgirl 25 by Kelly Puckett, Damian Scott, Robert Campella, Cam- Campanella. She's got three boobs, I just want to say. There's, what's this crease in no. the middle of, of the left one? What is that? That's her bicep. No, it isn't. What? No, it is not, you fool. 
No, it is not. You see the left ta-ta. There's a crease down the center of that ta-ta. A crease down the center. Of the left ta-ta. Do you see this line? I can't point. I don't have a cursor. I I, I think what Uh what we're looking at is just where the the light source is hitting her skin. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. She's got three. She's got a regular size one and then two minis. Okay. Is this really where where we're docking points because she has three boobs and not two? (laughs) No, you brought it up. I didn't know (laughs) that. comic but she has three boobs no she doesn't <laughs> you should not have brought up carol and coca if you uh, hadn't always. i wouldn't i wouldn't have well that's fine that's fine i mean she's a hero on this show but... i am proud to say i do not stare at cassandra kane's boobs and now i've stared at her <laughs> boobs now more than ever you brought me this low i'm so sorry but look okay can you let's do this thing uh, I can't actually. <laughs> okay. All right. So this comic book, which includes people with boobs, begins at a a kind. I was going to say club, a kind of gathering of martial artists. There's one martial artist who's defeating several at, several people at once until he is greeted by Lady Shiva. As you can read a banner uh, at the top of the building saying, "I am." become death the destroyer of worlds which is the mythological uh, description of shiva so we cut to batgirl's Batcave, and we see cassandra uh leaving a recorded message on her back computer it says oracle i want to thank you for everything you were like a like a mother and then she she pushes away and tries not to cry uh so she erases that because there was it was there was too much feelings in it records one for batman wherever he is <laughs> hey batman uh if you don't end up in prison i want to say thank you don't blame shiva this is my idea i'm sorry and i'll talk a lot about that once we're into the review uh the next scene has cassandra out on top of a rooftop a uh, quite, quite a rooftop but kind of like i guess it looks similar to some sort of like hotel or subway gathering She's looking at the city looking at gotham city the place where she's lived at the past year. A man walks towards her and she can tell right away that he's intending on jumping over. And so she quickly tells him, don't jump, not worth it. He's frightened because he doesn't know how she could perceive that he was intending suicide, but she saves his life as she contemplates ending her own. And then Cass gets a message on her radio saying, Batgirl, I need you. And there's only one person who talks to her like that is Oracle. So Cass goes to the clock tower and meets Oracle. Oracle says, I need you to see something, something in the hollow room. And sacre bleu! Oracle has cruelly reconstructed uh, her origin story, where it's a reconstruction of the video that we saw in about issue three, mailed to Batman and Alfred, where eight-year-old Cassandra committed her first hit. And Oracle's like, yeah, that's you, isn't it? And right before the recreation has or, uh, Cassandra kill the guy, uh, Cass yells, stop! And Barbara's like, I'm sorry, I had to do that because I understand why you're doing this. I can't let you throw your life away. This this death fight against Shiva is not worth it. You were just a kid. You were eight years old. This is this is nothing to do with karma. This karma. This is nothing to do with justice. I want you to realize that it's not your fault. But for right now, I'm stopping this fight. And so uh, Cass very you know contritely turns around and says, I'm 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 sorry. And Oracle's like, Oh, there's nothing to be sorry for. And Cass. Hits her at a pressure point, and Oracle freezes 
I won't say paralyzed, but she's like frozen stiff. And Cass says, uh, this wears off. I'm sorry, but I have to do this. So she kind of uh, mysteriously removes her glasses. And as Oracle is left frozen in the room, staring at the young Cassandra Kane, who the grown Cassandra Kane still sees herself as. So we cut to a mysterious and undisclosed location where Shiva is waiting, very windy. <laughs> Shiva closes her eyes and, and says to no one, seemingly, ready. Then out of nowhere, Cassandra shows up and she says that she's ready. And the fight is on. So we get uh, big splash pages of martial arts action between Lady Shiva and Batgirl. Batgirl, by the way, is, is out in her like issue seven civvy. She's out in just like a black turtleneck and black, black jeans. Cassandra is throwing all these blows and, and Shiva is evading them. Uh, Cass can't get a hit on her. Although she gets, she comes close and destroys a lot of like stone, I don't know, parts of the wall. And, and as she does it, Shiva says, nice. Cass goes in for a blow and Shiva murders her. <laughs> she strikes her square in the chest, quarter mass, center mass. Uh, Cass recoils back and is just kind of like choking as Shiva slowly walks over toward, towards her, shushes her, and Cassandra passes away over the next five panels until two pages later where we see Shiva basically do a martial arts superhero punch into her chest into Batgirl, who is now alive and in her Batgirl costume. I know you love that. Where did it come from? (laughs) Good question. Cass awakens. Uh, Shiva offers her a replenishing tea and says, you know, you might need some considering you just died. So what was death like? Why did you want to die? And Cassandra, there's no reason why Cassandra needs to be coy anymore. She says, I killed a guy. And she was like, honey, just one. And soon realizes that because of Cassandra's training and her gift for uh, body language, she understands that when Cassandra killed that guy, she saw and felt everything that he felt. Terror and then nothing. And so Shiva understands Cassandra finally. Okay, you're doing this because of karma. I get it. But you died and now you're alive. So how do you feel? And Cassandra says she just feels different. And as they walk around their surroundings, it's the building. It's, it's the area that we saw in the very beginning of the issue. And we see a bunch of photographs of various dead guys. Uh, these are victims of Shiva. They were taken by the guy who she killed to basically take over this place. Um, who's kind of smelling the, the room up in another corner. Uh, Batgirl runs over and says, bring him back. And she was like, it took a year of work to, to do what I did to you. I couldn't do it for him if I wanted to. Or you, as she takes out a sword. Uh, Batgirl says, you have to stop. And she was like, I am Shiva. I can't be stopped. But would you like to try? And so Cass like, ah, oh, I see. This was your plan all along to knock me out of my senses and get a real fight. It worked. Uh, Batgirl tosses off the, the sword, destroys Shiva's sword, and they're having a much more equally matched fight across multiple pages. Shiva's still beating her up, but Cass is getting some hits in as well, getting kneeing her in the stomach, a right, a right cross, blocking her moves. And as they're fighting, Cassandra is... Like, Shiva's words are kind of going over Cassandra's head, asking about death, asking why she wanted to die, and understanding, wait, you want to die as well. So Shiva pauses at this, Cass gets a hit in, and Cass says, I see you, Shiva, searching the world for your death. And she knocks Shiva out. Keep searching. And then 
her own weight gives way and, and Cass collapses completely exhausted and battered as well. And as they lay right next to each other, Shiva swears, I'll kill you. And the issue ends with Cass saying, not tonight. The end. I will say that this last page, I very much enjoy this last page. And Oh, yeah, it's iconic. It's, it's intimate. It's intimate. And I don't want anyone to read into that what I'm saying, but just the the, the positions and mm-hmm. uh, how close they are. It's yeah, it's really interesting to think about that, which one of my questions, of course, will be their familial relationship and, and how that could change readings and everything with this comic. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm, thank you. <laughs> for allowing you to do that. Yes. Okay. So I do have many questions. Oh, here we go. Okay. So now I can oh, point no. out the third, the third boob. I wish I could have my cursor, but it goes away once I hover over it. But hopefully people can see this little crease down the, the left one. That is her bicep. No, it is you're not. Looking, you're looking at her arm. Oh, uh, you know what? The one on the left is, in fact, what I was looking at as the bicep. That's okay. right. Of course, it's her bicep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like one of those things you see a vase or a woman. But yeah, you need to people look at it. It looks like she's got a. Anyways, well, that question. Believe me, I would never miss it? that. Questions we don't have answers. Oh, come on. (laughs) We've answered a question. So thank you, Quinoa. Okay. Now, Donovan, this this segment of the show is called Donovan Explain Yourself. This segment of the show is called Stella's like, explain this. And I'm like, (laughs) well, here we are. This is why I have you on the show. Okay. So I just have a lot of questions. Is that okay? I, I knew you would. <laughs> We've been doing this 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 Batgirl run for so long now that I, I see you, Stella. I, I see what you're at. I'm so glad. Okay. I want to talk about this flashback briefly. So I personally, thank you so much for your synopsis. I do appreciate it. I sure. personally have trouble with some of these flashbacks in this book. Not just mm-hmm. this issue, but in the past, it's hard to get a sense of when something's happening or what is going on. And this becomes clear, this flashback, what is actually happening once we get to the end and we see where Shiva is, that setting, and she explains basically what went on here. So a question, I guess, this one specifically, but flashbacks in general, do you feel like a flashback fails or is it weak if it takes the whole issue for you to understand what is going on in it? Like, should this be clearer, maybe what's happening? I, first of all, I've always understood your lack of clarity with this book. I, I, I honestly have, like, 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 no joke. Like, like the way that Puckett scripts these things is they're often vague. Uh, so I never think that, like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure what this does this scene or this panel's mean. I'm always like, yeah, I understand. In regards to the the utilization of flashbacks, I don't think you need to know right away as you're watching the flashback. Oh, I know what this is about. And in fact, I think I think the purpose of it is to kind of be a little coy and give more meaning after some information now i think that like with this you know it can be argued you know do we need do is this even needed like like could she have explained what the place that they're staying at is afterwards and we could have just bought it we could have it could have been like um Puckett just not knowing how to kind of complete the issue. I, I keep on. For, I think this is a, this is an exercise issue. No, it is. Yeah, that, that, they actually say it on the on the cover. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that it could be. It could be. It could be healthily argued that this is 
just kind of like confusing and not really clarifying because you didn't need to explain the ending and having it at the beginning. It's like, wait, what, what is going on? Mm-hmm. I'm not confused, but that's because I've heard this issue so many times before. So it's, yeah. I, I, I accept your confusion. Because I actually thought that Shiva was already in the fight. If you look at this flying person, I was like, is, is, is that Shiva right there? But then I actually realized that Shiva's the shadow in the doorway that's yeah. closer to him. And everything. And then it becomes, you don't know why he's, you know, super excited to see her and probably bowing to her, ready to kiss her hand. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll move on. So that's just something that, yeah, I am. I I do struggle with that with this particular book and I try to work through it. (laughs) And sometimes it becomes clear once I get to the end of an issue and sometimes it doesn't. Okay. But now this is, of course, the Barbara Gordon podcast. You know, I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about her a couple times in this one. So this was really interesting for me that it seems like it's more difficult for Cassandra to record a message to Babs than Batman. Sure. And I, I mean, especially because she deletes the message that she had for Barbara. So I guess my question is why? Why do you think it seems more difficult? Is that maybe I'm incorrect in that reading? But why do you think it's more difficult for Cassandra to record a message to Barbara than Batman, who it seems like she just kind of, you know, spits it out? Of course, he's bat jerk murderer right now. <laughs> But yeah, thoughts on <laughs> thoughts on that. Yeah, he's on a lamb. <laughs> he's like uh, hitching train rides with a bindle stiff. I think it's it's a much more familial mentor. Or, I'm sorry, familial? No, that's not the right word. Familiar mm. mentor, uh, especially because he was trained by Kane himself. And so, whether either he or she, either he intends it or not, I think there's similarities to Kane that Cassandra can kind of look up to while knowing that he's more heroic person than Kane is but Barbara you know she's trying to take out for pizza try to see a movie Mm. they're trying on lipstick and stuff like these are things that Sandra has not experienced and whether you know she likes that stuff or not she's always appreciated the experience she's always appreciated how or she's never like said I don't like what Oracle does or I don't I don't like how Oracle you know interacts with that she's never like disliked that we've not seen a scene where she's like Oracle's on my last nerve so Understand that 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 you know Oracle tried to help her in a way which was totally new to her, mm-hmm. and says I and it, I'm sure that like Cassandra who doesn't you know never had a mother, and I'm let that hang. Approximates I imagine this is what motherhood is like, and, and and I'm imagining it means as much as I feel towards Barbara, and because she can't get that out without crying, she's like you know uh, this is this this is this is no good. I, I don't want to cry. She's She's not really been told that like crying is a healthy thing to do, so she she erases it. But no, it's it's it is like it is a uh, this un- unlike the, the beginning. This 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 has total meaning for me. Do you think it could also be her? You know, on top of that, I I, I totally accept that. But also maybe thinking about the reaction of the other party, that it would be really hard emotionally for Barbara compared to Bruce. Bruce might just be you know, angry. It seems like she's prepared for that anger, but Barbara might be really hurt. So do you think she's also thinking like, oh, you know, this, this could be really hard for Barbara. Whereas Bruce, it'll be hard for him, but in a different way. And he'll also probably get over it or just (laughs) have his issues with it. Well, I'm not sure that she thinks all that much about how hard it'll be for him because she's still going through it. Uh, I mean, I'm remembering in issue seven, maybe six, another thing was issue seven, when 
cast didn't have her fighting skills and she's like listen people are dying you know why am i why, why am i more valuable than and he tells her about what happened to jason todd he's like that's not going to happen again mm-hmm. so she knows by him telling her how he might react if she were to die and of course you know it doesn't take a lot of imagination to, to, to know that like barbara would be horror stricken if anything happened to Cass. But I think with with Batman, that's probably closer in her, in her memories. Is like, oh, I know you're gonna be mad about mad at Shiva, but it was my idea. Whereas with Oracle, she thinks about Oracle. She thinks about the good times rather than Batman saying, you know, no one's gonna die under my watch again, and then having it in her head that that she's about to die. Mm-hmm. And also, can I talk about that for a bit? I like how it's like I don't know the way that Cassandra sees like the bat the Batman symbol, what Batman means as as the hero and all kinds of stuff. There's that panel of don't blame Shiva. It's my idea. We know that Cassandra has an awful view of herself. Mm-hmm. And so there's that, that shot where it was my idea. She looks like she looks down, she's bowing her head, but it looks as though she's almost the way that it's illustrated. It's like, she's looking at the bat symbol. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she looks towards the reader. I'm sorry. Like looks, looks towards Batman. I'm sorry. It's like the idea is that not so much. I'm sorry. I died or I'm sorry that, you know, you weren't there, but like, I feel like I failed what you represent. And I think that that's a lot more, that's, that's terrific visual storytelling that's all towards Damien Scott and not, and not just Kelly Bucket. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So then we get to this. And I will say, it looks like that man's toupee is flying off. I noticed that this time, yeah, for the first time. Not sure what's going on there. But do you, now, you, there's a certain group of people that you don't care for. And I am in that group. And they're hypocrites. You, it frankly annoys you and you don't like them. So is Cass a hypocrite for preventing (laughs) that man from jumping off this skyscraper? But of course, she knows all along what she's about to do. Basically the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have to have ridiculous questions along with the serious ones. I mean, she is a hypocrite. Okay. Does that annoy you, frankly? No, I love her. Okay, now you're a hypocrite. <laughs> well, you're not Cassandra Kane. Cassandra Kane isn't you. So, oh you know. my gosh! <laughs> like, I think Cassandra Kane is under the belief that like she's the lowest of the low out mm. there, and, and you know it doesn't matter. Like, it's not worth like she. No matter what anybody else has done, and we've seen this in issues leading up to it. It doesn't matter what anybody else has done, but like you know, she just views. She just thinks that she's different. So it's not. Like it, she has been a hypocrite, but it's not a contradiction of the writing. Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting. She says it's not worth it. Is death not worth it? Well, it's it's like she believes that people can kind of come up and, and redeem themselves. Yeah. But but because they have not been trained to be a killer since they were eight years old. Right. Yeah. Like, like whatever, like, like whatever's going on. Also, and, and again, like, like the silent page where we first see her looking out in the city yeah, we see her face and see the guy walking up. And the la- the very very last panel at the bottom of that first page, she says, "You don't even see the guy in that panel. You just see her eye." I, I just I just love that. I, yeah. I think that's that's wonderful uh, exactly, storytelling. Exactly what he's about to do. Yeah. yeah, it's right on the edge of the right frame of the panel. It's just it's like that's that's part of why I love this book. It's just it's just very like it's all it's all about the senses more than anything else. It's not just you know. There's, there's in the Batgirl miniseries years later on when like Batman and Robin are explaining what happened to her. It's literally like pages and pages and pages of like word balloons and text, and it's horrible storytelling. This one's much more like not only better but like you know thoughtful in terms of how to communicate that stuff. Do you feel like she holds herself to a standard that's different than the other Bat 
family members hold themselves to? I, I a human standard, I guess. Like what it means. I don't. I mean, I, I think that she doesn't think that she's. A, I think that she doesn't think that she's as good as them as people. There was that dream sequence where she was like taking cookies out of the cookie jar, and then right. like the bat family, the bat family were like nightmarishly castigating her. Oh, you're not one of us. Like, I think that like she's just like I'm. You know, you guys are great, and I have this original sin that I can't wash out from me. So I, so I don't know if it's a different, I, th- I think the standard is that like, whatever is different, the standard may be seen as in her eyes. It's not so different enough that they can't be seen as a better example of her. Mm-hmm. And I guess it also has to do with just her, her upraising. Is that a word? I mean, I think it's because, um, because Kane didn't certainly didn't tell her to feel any guilt or whatever. I think it's a case of like how she felt. And I think a lot of her guilt is compounded by the example of the Bat Family, like like in No Man's Land, how bad No Man's Land got. And she meets these groups of individuals, and they're like, "Yeah, we're never we we are trained in the martial arts. We are superior in a lot of ways, but we're never going to kill anybody." I think a lot of a lot of her her lack of self worth actually manifested through meeting the Bat Family. Hmm. And so, as she's Batgirl, she's given this costume. She understands that Oracle was Batgirl. She understands to serve this legacy, and. She sort of, she, and, and then, you know, there was all these people that, that she could not save. There's just this sort of like burrowing depth of self-hatred as she's Batgirl. That, she's, that she kind of reaches over this last year. She's like, you know, I, I can't continue on like this because I'm not, I'm not worth it. I mean, there's, there's a, there's, there is obviously a ton of like suicidal ideation. Suicide is a big part of this issue. And it's not, I don't think it's done recklessly or frivolously. And if this story were to be done again, they would probably do it more. They'll kind of end with like, you know, if you need help, call this number kind of thing. But this is also kind of like a, a a heightened reality where she's like a supreme martial artist. And so it's a little difficult to relate to her reasons, but at the same time, I guarantee there's, there's a lot of readers who read this and appreciated similar feelings. Cause how many, how many, I mean, the only other, there are only two other combo characters I know who have like contemplated suicide. Um, One is daredevil. If you've ever read Guardian Devil after Karen Page was killed by Bullseye, he had to get up to his head. And another is Vigilante, who did kill himself. And so it's not an, a common thing to see heroes kind of go through this. It's one thing to be like Spider-Man and like, you know, oh, nothing goes right. And it's another to think like you are absolutely worthless. Like you can't get out from under this badness that's a part of you. And so she just, she seeks death. And the fact that like she's surrounded by so many individuals who are looking out for her, like like Bruce and Barbara and Dick and Tim, and they're practically nowhere near this, this story. It's, it's, it's pretty tragic. Yeah. And I just think about who raised each of those individuals. I mean, with the exception of Jason Todd, all of them came from loving homes. And yeah. so their, their self-worth was not wrapped up in what Cass's self-worth was wrapped up in which with Kane, you know, is really her performance and being able to fight effectively and all that. And even though there are some sweet moments between Kane and, and Cass, we know that that wasn't the, the bulk of, of her history. So I think that also messes with the person too, just, you know, parenting and, and who, who raised them and how were they raised too. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm moving on to this scene right here. Oh, my goodness. And the shocked <laughs> eyes there and everything. Do you... So this is, if if you're just 
tuning in, I guess, to keep track of Cass on this show, you missed Bruce Jerk Murderer. And right now, Batman is actually in jail. So my question is, why are you laughing? Why does, do you feel like Babs might feel freer because he's not around? Because they decided they were just going to let her do this whole thing, even though Barbara was against that in issue 23. Is that what it was? Or 22? It was 23. Um, Okay. But she she shows the video she attempts to fully attempts to prevent Cass from fighting do you think she feels freer in order to, she has the ability to do this now that batman is in jail and away from the scene i never considered that yeah ah oh, gosh would she have I done know. i mean as a, another way to do you think she would have done it had batman been around i think she would have that's, that's my thing too like whether whether she's like uh i mean I, that whole thing that happened in the bat cave was horrible so like I don't think that she can like separate her mind that much. Ex- I mean, of course she can. She's Oracle. But when I'm seeing this scene, it's not so much she's trying to get around Batman. It's just you know she's trying to save Cassandra. So whether it does take place in that or not, is it's sort of like an imperative rather than sort of sort of a navigation. Um, so I think I think I'm not copying out when I say like if that Bruce Wayne murderer weren't going around and Batman wasn't there, she would still do this. I think. What do you think? Yeah, I'm on the fence about it. I think if Batman had still been around, she I think she still would have done it. I mean, she is not the type of woman who if Batman tells me not to do something, I'm going to listen to him necessarily. But I wonder if she would have done it in another fashion. Like this is really forceful. Like, yeah, she's really going out there and she's like, I know what you're planning. You need to not do that. I wonder if she would have had more of a conversation rather than usually using this visual media. Though, then I I think about we had that discussion where Batman is completely denying that this is Cass in the the video. So that's really interesting that Cass basically, non-verbally, I don't think she... uh, she doesn't really say, yes, it's me, but you can absolutely tell that it's her. So it would have been interesting to see what Batman would have done in this. But he probably would have been yelling at Oracle. Oracle turned it off so he wouldn't have seen all that. So it just would have been really interesting. It would have completely changed, I think, the dynamic had Batman been there. So I'm glad he's not. But uh, That's a great yeah. point, actually. If Batman were here, like, let's say that, like, instead of Cassandra saving that guy from jumping off, like she was out with Batman, and they okay later on tonight I'm gonna kill myself with with Shiva, and like she's like Batgirl, I need you, and Batman just tagged along and he saw this. I think if Batman were there and Oracle laid it out like that, he I would like to think he would be inclined to like you know what Barbara's right, you can't you can't do this because he, it's the visualization of seeing it and also seeing Cassandra react towards it, like you can see it on her face, like there's not there's no subterfuge with her. She, like, she yells stop. She yelled stop when um her father tried to kill Gordon, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 a it's a very important word for her. So I think in that instance, had Batman not heard about this or like was was in on this plan, but like had just experienced this with Cassandra as Cassandra experienced in this in the room, he might be inclined to like uh, agree with Babs, and though she, so she would have to like poke both of them in the chest. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Let's get to that. Let's do it. I've got some major issues with this. <laughs> You should have known. She's never betrayed anyone in her life. So whatever. So before (laughs) we started recording this particular episode, you actually made a comment uh, about Barbara wearing a shirt 
in the recent Nightwing, kind of really throwing in his face some previous trauma that he may have experienced. Name what you said, domestic violence, which I guess technically it is, but him being slapped by Batman. And I just want to say how I said how ironic and then started clack, clack, clack it ain't away on my computer. So I remember that. Oh, my goodness. I this is what I said. How inappropriate and invasive is it for cast to and in all caps, you didn't say it, but I'm saying it paralyze Babs. I tried to laugh. <laughs> You're a terrible human being. This is this was this, look at the optics. These are terrible opti- optics. We're no one was thinking about what this would be like. Look at her head. Oh wait, is it at the bottom? It's like yeah. okay, the killing joke right now, starring Cassandra Kane. No, don't say that. Well, that's what it feels like to me. She just took out her top half. Her bottom half was already non-mobile and now we've got this don't you think this is inappropriate no (laughs) you've got to be kidding are you really saying that you know as i was recapping it i was like yes this this is kind of worse than i tend to read it just because it's it is actually really is paralyzing her yeah she really is yeah i mean i don't know she she apologizes twice (laughs) does that make it better (laughs) oh no it doesn't make no it doesn't make it better like that is quite it's it's dark right it means more towards barbara specifically oracle than it would if she were to do that to like tim right yeah like she, to the tim I don't, I don't think he would be like uh uh upset about it but i don't know that's, that's just that's, that's I, the I, only reason why i'm bringing it up is because it's barbara is this talked about at all do they have a little confab like hey that was i don't think that so. was really uh i don't know invasive or i mean but know. here's i mean i don't it doesn't and this is why. Dot, dot, dot. Well, but, well, to Cassandra, it doesn't matter because, like, one, it'll wear off, and two, like, she will be dead, so she won't be able one? to, like, get oh Barbara won't be able to slap gosh. her. Like, 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 I think I understand what you're saying that, like, that's 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 a level of cruelty that we didn't expect. But I think it's true of the characters, and so I have a hard time. Granted, you know, Barbara, Barbara Gordon's not my favorite character, so like, so like, oh. I there's there's an automatic lack of investment. Yep. But seeing this in terms, of, like, you know, how are the characters? carrying on i mean i don't know i mean like barbara apologizes because she is presenting this is your trauma this is your childhood trauma that's kind of you know giving you this this uh ptsd all your life right in front of you i'm sorry i had to do this but i'm doing this because i want you to stop and cassandra paralyzes her because she is trying to like make up for it and so, and so there there are a couple of extremes going on and i'm not going to necessarily weigh in cast hitting her pressure point in her chest and freezing her towards Babs bringing back to life like like cassandra's murder but i do think that like it's not as though that like neither you know both characters in this in this scene are kind of being extreme and so i don't think that like there is like whoa that's too far because they're both going too far yeah. I, I i just i just don't think that like that's the thing where like you know oh you you can bring up her childhood trauma but you but Cass can't do that to you i mean this is, this is where the characters are these are these people and so it's 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 where the story takes them quite frankly i guess yeah they're both trying to help the other out potentially or maybe they're both trying to help Cass out <laughs> well i mean i, I mean i really want to like take this seriously though i mean like, i mean is this something that like i mean i don't think this i don't read this as like a joke on barbara exactly like because ideally i hope not i didn't read she, it like that that's why i was yeah i think it's serious but i think there there's a, a layer there there's absolutely a layer there but also i mean she would be still frozen if she could walk right 
Yes. So, I mean, yes, there is an added layer. I mean, she goes from like, she's completely immobilized. And that, that's an added violation. Absolutely it is. But I don't, I don't, I don't know if, I mean, I think, I think whatever edge there is in that is confined in the scene and not, it doesn't, it doesn't become sick to me just because it, it, it's, it's, it's an actual, I don't know. Like there's this, there is this, uh, this is interesting. So there is a scene in Star Trek six where Spock does like the mind meld on a fellow Vulcan. Who is it? It was uh, one of the sex and city women. And to, to basically get, get some information and it's, I thought it was a very well shot scene and very dramatic. But a lot of people kind of basically said he mind raped her because the, the way that she reacts to it is, is really extreme and kind of horrific. And they don't really comment on basically him torturing her for information. And kind of, you know, that's not only should people not torture, but also that's not how characters in the future would do that. So, like, it's one of those things that, like, you know, people say, however you like that movie, that, sh- that scene should not have been in there. And I, I, I could see... I can see that argument, but I think that like it's fine for the characters as long as you properly deal with it. And I think with this, I don't know if this is I, I don't know if I would compare it the same just because one is temporary, but also like the focus is more on where Cass is mentally. Like she's determined to die. And even if she has to kind of like, like literally freeze, like she could have had Freeze's freeze gun done the same thing. So at this moment in time, I don't see this as like a oh they shouldn't have done that kind of thing. I just kind of see this as like wow that's that's that shows that shows her determination rather than any some sort of like perversive nature on on the side of the writers. I guess I would have I would almost prefer cast to knock her out. I like this because I, I think I think it's I don't know there's there's something I, like less is more. I think if I mean if you're just like punch out Orgle in her chair that that. I, I feel that Gail Simone would have done that, but I, I think that like it's better here, uh, just because it's it's quick, it's silent, it's you know, Kaz has her her hand has Oracle's face in her hand. It's 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 intimate in that kind of familial way. So there's a tragedy towards it mixed in with with, with you know, kind of like I guess the, the, the general sort of emotional violence going on in the scene. Well, folks, this is where. I mean, take a take a picture. This is where Cass turns into a villain. It wasn't in two thousand nine. It was right here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah people write uh, in, think, write in. Let us let us know what you think. I do want to know. Yeah, I think you and I will just disagree on that. But I think it does come from the fact that yeah, we're you know Barbara. We have different degrees of connection with with <laughs> Gordon. But reading this now, and and I think when I first read it, when I first read through this run, I don't think it would have had as much of an emotional impact but because i'm inundated it seems like constantly with killing joke stuff and then going through killing joke and then reading this it it sort of has changed my perspective but i i also thank you for bringing that up that yeah i mean barbara was a bit violent emotionally violent as well with with trying to snap Cass out of it so okay Mm -hmm. Oh, this first fight, which I like how you said that it was windy. I do like that. I think it adds dynamic. Yeah, it looks magical. It. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. Let's start singing uh, a whole new world. Do you <laughs> think that this first fight was too easy, uh, especially if we compare it to the final fight, which goes on a bit longer? Cass can actually lay some hits on her. Do you feel like Cass was maybe not trying hard enough and really just wanting to die? Which yes. we do know that she wants to die, but I think that she, I think what it was not not that she wasn't trying, but that like she went like whole hog, like she 
she threw away her defense her defenses right she just it was like a full-blown offensive assault without with you know without care for leaving herself wide open and stuff so it's, it's like she was trying but she wasn't being like she, she wasn't like trying how is it it's trying your best doesn't automatically mean she was lazy and she she like you know wasn't trying to beat shiva she was trying to beat shiva fast and and and, and furiously but like <gasps> she wasn't being i know uh in theater tomorrow um, yes! <laughs> so excited oh the family um but she wasn't like being professional in the fight and th- th- there's there's uh, there's dialogue about this in like in like the robin series uh, a few years back about like um when you all, when all you have to bring into a fight is emotions you've already lost that's a chuck dixon line and like i think that like what she's just doing is just just it's just she's just like going all out without care for herself and later on it's not so much that she's looking out for herself but she's she's fighting a lot smarter like she's not taking hits she or she's not taking hits that she that she knows that she can deflect or evade mm-hmm. where here i don't think you see her block at all she's just like attacking yeah yeah i feel like when i i don't know it was just so shocking how quickly this particular fight ended when i look at the the second fight the final fight at the end i think oh yeah this this is cassandra fighting and this is she's really going at it now so i i feel like there is a bit of a block there like her desire is to is to die <laughs> so yeah. that might maybe subconsciously be if be affecting also her her style and and what she's doing but the other one i think now that she's quote unquote over it which we'll talk about that she's really able to go all in with that fight so i do like that second fight better i think but this is still stylishly beautiful Mm -hmm. okay so there are some gentle caresses (laughs) let's look at these gentle one two what do you what what do you think of uh uh Like when Shiva kills her, I like that shot. Oh, this right here. Oh, this blow. Yeah. It reminds me of something. Didn't someone else have like a one one punch kill? I can't remember. I feel like it might be a film or something. Kill Bill. It was. It was like the. the it was like the, oh, the five point touch right. of death or something. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I almost wish maybe it'd be too macabre, but for cast to smile in the end like you know this is this is what i wanted <laughs> but we we don't get there like she's it's total shock that oh she landed a hit but i kind of think well this is what you wanted wasn't it so you know is yeah. there no joy in the end that okay my worthless life is over no, no, i don't i don't, I don't think it's i don't think it's her like oh my god she's killed me i think it's just like her body reacting like like when yeah, your body is is has a deadly has a mortal blow your body is not going to like go along with that it's going to fight it so like she i'm sure she's like just like twitching and stuff sure i'm sure can't show that in a comic book yeah man okay oh i guess more caresses there so there are many gentle caresses yes and my question was if shiva weren't cass's parent (laughs) how would you explain those gentle caresses so i guess now being in 2002 not knowing cassandra's parentage at this moment how do you explain these gentle caresses i (laughs) trademark stella um thank you and i'm not i also want to say that i'm not thinking homoerotically i'm just like oh why is she being so kind and gentle to her just well for not i think you understood what i was going but i just don't want other people to think i'm like oh there's some lesbian activity going on that's not what i was saying Nah, yeah no 
Uh, no, I, th- I think that even back when they first met, they understand each other on a level that Oracle and Batman do not. So I think as as fighters, she cares to bring. Of course, you know, and, and again, like like like, how many times do we see Shiva fight against teenagers? That's not Tim Drake. Like you know, it's like she she's she she understands Cass. She understands her skills, and she here clearly knew that she was trying to die. So she kind of gave her what she wanted, and she doesn't care to just like leave her and spit on her. She's 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 gently easing her into the next life. And I think, and honestly, that's that's Shiva. Shiva, and you can get a lot of this uh, if you read uh, Let's Talk Shiva's Twitter's profile. Um, a lot of this is from the question. A lot a lot of this characterization stems from Daniel Neal's the question where where he brought because he created Shiva and he brought her back in a much more philosophically minded much more unpredictable nuanced way where she's not going to just like take a gun and shoot somebody or whatever she's she's she doesn't even mind if 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 like you're that different from her so she's going to like she did the same thing with questions she killed the question and she brought him back to life this is something that she did at least once before so it's characteristic of her to see somebody's change through death through it's actually it's actually in the name shiva right in some ways so do you think that she gently caressed that man whose house she stole? No. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's not everyone. No, I, I think it's people that she has interest in. Okay. Like if she were to do this to Batman, I think she would do that to Batman, even though she has okay. no like, like familiar interest in him. Okay. I can see that. And now, you know, with me knowing that Shiva is, is her parent, I'm like, oh, it makes sense. But not knowing, it's like, oh, why is she crossing? You know, I, I still read this. I mean, yes, they are they are canonically now mother and daughter, but I still read these stories without having that in mind. Like, I, I can read this and like not question because it, this wasn't written with her as a mother. There's no reason why she would do that. I can still see that as like her doing that, being yeah. part of her character. I mean, I yeah, if Tim, if she killed Tim, I could totally see that happening. I think she dislikes Tim more. <laughs> but, dislikes uh, is that what you just said? Yeah, I, I think Tim's got. Or just her. likes Tim more. I think she D I S L I K. Oh, yes. dislikes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm shocked to hear you say that. Oh, I mean, like, like she was at the end of um, his his original Robin time. I mean, she doesn't hate Tim, but I think Tim's gotten on her nerves uh, a couple oh, no. of times, and and so she's like, you know, I'm, she she said, I'm not going to forget this. Like, she's not going to like take his head off, but she's like, yeah, you're not you're not getting away from that. Uh, in the future. Okay. So this one punch back to life. Comic book. <laughs> That's yeah, the only explanation for it. Did the, I guess it, it's like using Tony Stark's. Wait, no, it was using Thor's hammer to jumpstart somebody's heart. I can't remember. Or it's, it was like in, in uh, Fast and the Furious 7 when I could see <gasps> that Dom had died when the cars oh. collapsed and Letty brought him back through the power of love. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Well, uh, hey, how dare you laugh at that award-winning <laughs> cinema? <laughs> oh, you're serious. Allow me to laugh even louder. I bet. I really liked this irony, I suppose, that you find out Cass is basically, she's trained for a year to, mm-hmm. let's just say it, die, to die. And Shiva trained for a year knowing that Cass there's a good chance Cass is going to die and that she was going to bring her back from the dead. Yeah. I mean, what does, what does that say about really Shiva? Um, again, I like, I like taking out the <laughs> fact that like uh, their mother and daughter, and I don't even remember how long Shiva knew that this is, this is, this is part of the original O'Neill character where she's Shiva is amoral, I think, 
or if she's not immoral, if I'm getting a definition wrong, she's somebody whose morals can't be easily predicted. If she wants to fight you and kill you, she will kill you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but, you know, if, you know, if she's beaten, she's not going to hate you. And if she it wants to see you develop, like again, in, in issue one of the questions, she beats the living crap out of him uh, and leaves him to die. And then the next one, she brings him back to life and takes him to, to, to Richard Dragon. And the question changes. He went from a very much conservative, objectivist Steve Dicko character to a much more philosophically minded, zen-like Denny O'Neill character. And that death and rebirth was the catalyst. And here she says, how do you feel? And Kaz says, I feel different. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. And so Shiva is interested in these people changing and becoming, not even so much becoming different or better opponents from them, but just she, she takes an interest in them. Yeah. Like a pet project almost. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get a sense that she'd probably be watching her, you know, from now on seeing her progress? Well, again, she knew right away that Cass was Batgirl and was with Batman. And I, I think it was only when we did it for the podcast, I was like, how does she know that? But she just does. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't think it's, it's, it's somewhere along the line, she knows that Bruce Wayne's Batman, but I don't think that's, that's set up in here. She mm-hmm. definitely did not know in the 90s, but like she could tell. And so, oh, there's this young female martial artist. She has a, she has a certain respect for Batman, but also a certain annoyance by Batman. So she just has to, takes an interest in Cass. And so, well, Cass is, is extremely good. She's fighting in a way that, that none of the others fight. And she's fighting to me to die. Then I want to make sure I know why. So she brings it back. Do you feel like Cass truly died? Does this quote unquote death absolve her of the murder she committed? I did say guilt initially and then erased it. And then is it really karma? Was that used correctly? I mean, I don't even know if Cass knows or understands karma. Typically, I mean, she understands it essentially, but not like that. I don't think she has it in her head. That's what it is. But I think that uh, one, it, I do think she died. Okay. Um, it's it's a comic book, but it's also like not important. It's, it, what's important is how she feels about herself, and that she's absolved of this of this albatross of emotion that she has with the guy, because it wasn't her fault. And so, if she was killed, then she could say that she was being equal with the universe in, you know, taking something away or putting something through experience that she's not gone through, I guess. A lot of it's kind of left in the margins and a lot of it's kind of like, like left to be interpreted. And that's the best of my interpretation. I guess I disagree with you mainly because she's still here. How is it equal? Yes, yeah, she died for an incident. And now she's back. But if she really wanted to make up for it, shouldn't she remain dead? Like her life for a life, not this like life and then resurrection. Like, I, I don't really understand how this can be a true death. And this is something that they're trying to convince Nightwing of that. Oh, you didn't kill Joker. He may have like died for a minute, but, you know, he's back now. And so right. how can we say that over there? But over here we can say, oh, no, you've died, died. It, it, you're all clean now. You're washed. Like this whole this page does not make sense to me in fact i feel like she's still alive that guilt should remain with her i don't know why she feels different this page is just a big question mark for me and so i i, I disagree with you no, I, I think it's fair and I, and I think honestly i think you're right there is something to this issue that that feels a little too easy obviously i don't want cast to go anywhere but it does feel awfully simple that she is kind of like her baggage is kind of like left left in the background I mean, it's, it carries with her here and there, definitely. Like she still has difficulty connecting with people, mm-hmm. but her like death wish 
is largely put to pasture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, her, her, her issues kind of become something else, which are still very much in character, but like the death which is not there. And this is this has been argued that like this is kind of the end of the series because at this point the series was was outselling the Robin title wow. and the fundamental Re, you know, like, like the the raison d'etre for this character was her death wish. Like mm-hmm. the, the creation was, oh, there's this like this nice girl who is great at everything. She's a great, perfect fighter, and she's Batman's perfect partner, and she's and she's a really nice person. But she's a, she has a death wish. That was kind of like the idea for her character conception. And with that absolved, you could argue that like there's nowhere else to go with Cassandra. How else do you develop her? And so and this is kind of why I think that the last year of the Pucket Run isn't as engaging for me as the first two years. Mm. And, I, and I do agree that like, it, it is, it does feel a little too easy in this issue that he just, okay, well, Shiva's going to, Shiva's just going to take it away from her. Now, Shiva does it in a way which makes sense for Shiva. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a thing that's been established before, although it's been a long time since she did it before, but with Cass, you do kind of want a little bit more self-reflection and kind of her exploring her feelings after that, rather than just, well, I feel different. And maybe she doesn't know what that means, but it, we're, we're led to believe that it's something positive. And, it, and you know, that, that, that's, that's, that is a little, that's, that's a little, um, that's, a, that's a tiny bit of cop out. Do we explore what that different is? And then does she also have conversations with Barbara and, and Bruce about No, this? not really. I mean, her, her okay. deal is, you know, her hangs up with her father, her relationship with Stephanie Brown, her relationship with, with, the, with the rest of the Bat family, but it's much less... It's much less. It's 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 relieved of a lot of that tension. Okay. Like there's there's still some things that she knows that she has a hard time connecting with and that kind of stuff, but there's there's much less of a deadly. There's much less of a doomsday clock on it as it was leading up to the Shiva fight. Okay. Well, so I'll just be unsatisfied. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would love to have you know her and Barbara talk about it. Like, okay, so how do you, I don't know. You think Barbara's mad at her? Do I think she's mad at her? I th- I think she is, but I also think that <laughs> when she sees her, well, because I would be like, never do that to me again. But also, I think when she sees Cash, she'd be really relieved that she would be like. So I think that feeling would, right. or those feelings would probably trump the the feelings of anger and everything. But she'd have a talking to. I think she would like to, to go through and. What is that called when like military people debrief, like debrief this whole situation. And then, you know, mm. what does that mean for you, Cass and everything? I'd love to see that on page. I think that'd be an interesting conversation. Mm, absolutely. So parallel to this, of course, is Shiva. And we find out they have more in common and that she also has a bit of a death wish as well. And I, I wondered, you know, is it just that Shiva wants to die or does she want an honorable death? And she's seeking that fighter that can beat her. And she'd be like, finally, you know, I've, I've met my match and I've been bested. I can die in peace. I think that the idea is that she wants to die. She's seeking fighters. She's the greatest fighter ever, and she wants to die as a fighter. Like, there are origin stories that, like, like, like she grew up with her sister, and her sister was killed, and so she wanted revenge. She was first led to believe that Richard Dragon killed her sister, but it was a bad guy. And once she took her revenge, she she was basically a thrill seeker. Like in the original Richard Dragon story, she was just like, "Oh, I'm always up for adventure." You know, nothing scares me, and she would just like beat every ass that came across her path. And then later on, she was she was almost like a, like a, like a, like a like a spiritual presence that that you know you know you first hear in the question like rolling some mobsters, but then you know she kind of like wanders off, and then she kind of like you know takes care of the question and kind of comes in and out. 
Then she takes out hang out with martial arts masters and stuff. And then in Batman, you see her like training terrorists in, in like the Middle East and stuff, and like uh, you know, being suspected of Jason Todd's mother. So it's it's kind of random. I like the version of Siva who's not an out and out villain. Like it doesn't make sense to me that she's at all connected with the League of Assassins. Like she wouldn't care. But here, I, I think there is a logic to I mean, it's it's a little easy that she's looking for a death wish, but so I think that's what it is. I think that like, you know, she's fought the best and she wants to die by the best. And that's an easier track for her line of thinking. Um, now, of course, if you add in the whole mother thing, being killed by her daughter's kind of uh, neat. But if we're just thinking on the other, this is, this is simply Lady Shiva. Yeah, she sees, she's, she rates Batgirl as the best, and she wants to be killed by her. And it's a good, cool thing that, that Cass recognizes that. So she beats her, but doesn't kill her. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's that added tension of, like, can Cass do it again? Or uh, is Shiva, you know, has she plateaued? Yeah, I, that was my follow up, actually, which you answered it, that if Shiva ever gets killed, should Cass be the one to do it? The final storyline in, in Cass's title is uh, The Return of Shiva. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> I won't be on the show to talk about that. Hey, I'll still be alive then. Uh-huh. And should Shiva be the one to kill Cass if Cass were to ever die? Well, I like the fact that she did kill Cass. I like, I like, I like that part of her history. Right. So when Shiva but murdered dead, Cassandra. Dead. Um, I don't think Cash would ever die. <laughs> okay, uh, but Shiva dying by Cass, yeah, that 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 rates. I forget what happened in, the, in like the um the Italian detective comic storyline when they when they. As I know that like Shiva was shot and then she was brought back in Batman and the Outsiders and in Batman and the Outsiders she's just kind of like you know like 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 Shiva's or Cass is working with Batman and she was like you know I'm cooler than he is and she's kind of like just you know off on the sidelines but she's there the entire time and then at the end she like you know drugs batman and like let's cast loose yeah i mean i don't know their relationship is kind of a question mark because of where it's going to end up but uh it's been established that shiva loves Cass, which i, I wish there was a little bit more exploration i think that some that's a little bit a little lazy not that she's incapable of love but like it's like you are my daughter and i love you and it's like eh, i don't know if that sounds right but like uh i know that they love fighting each other yeah. it's very anime that way oh gosh yeah it's like the sisters on kill a kill <laughs> yeah satsuki and ryuko yeah you know that's one of my favorite scenes is when satsuki is falling from the atmosphere naked and <laughs> oh, ryuko is, is like yeah oh yeah and then um yeah and satsuki yeah sorry i got them confused and then satsuki is running naked naked in order to catch her i'm like oh it's sisterly love i enjoyed Absolutely. that okay uh final question is i suppose a silly one but it's really it gets my goat i have a few pet peeves about comics one is off panel land what another Mm. one is you guessed it i mean donovan you mentioned it is when someone appears in their costume (laughs) and there's really no conceivable like why how did this happen that kind of stuff and so here we have it does shiva just have a a a background costume laying around is this just a weird a weird thing and we should just accept it. Do you have any thoughts on this? How she appears in her Batgirl costume? Yeah. Um, I think that <laughs> if I were to imagine Cass just brought her suit along with her, just, just, you know, in case someone needed her. But, and so when wow. she's like twitching in the background, she kind of looks around and, and sees it knowing uh-huh. that she plans on bringing Cass back and understanding, understanding 
in her few interactions with the cast that being Batgirl means so much to her that she would rather fight her in her truest self. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of Batman the Animated Series when Batman's getting stripped by <sighs> Rachel Ghoul and Ubu reaches for his cow, like his master is his, or his, his mass master. He's like, no, leave it. It's a marker of honor. It's like Shiva respects Cass to fight her at her fullest extent. So she's, she'll be dressed as Batgirl, even though she doesn't have her mask on. But like, I think everybody, as cool as that mask is, everybody likes when Cass is unmasked. Yeah. Well, I didn't see a backpack as I was scrolling through, so I don't know. Yeah. Don't know <laughs> explanation. Also, because she knew she was going to die, I don't know why she um, would bring something and like, oh, well, in case I live and there's a robbery, then I will uh, have my clothing. So I don't accept your answer, but I'll accept it for ease of of whatever. I don't know. Okay. Well, I think that's it for me and my questioning and demanding of answers. Is it rating <laughs> time? What should we rate it? Uh, out of 10 inappropriate point touches that cause paralysis, what would you give? Oh my gosh. I don't, I don't even want to ask, <laughs> ask you. I don't even want to ask you. Yeah. How would you rate this? I thought I thought it was gonna be out of ten boobs because of the cover, but uh, oh my gosh, she's got three of them. Do you want me to pull that up again? No, I'm just kidding. I know it's. A we agreed that it wasn't. I, we did, but people, I hope you look more closely. Carolyn, this is for you. Okay, what do you think? Out of ten cups of regenerative teas, I will give this. You look so disappointed. <laughs> I will give this a nine. <laughs> what'd you say? Yeah, what'd you say? I can't replicate that. Wow. Okay. Only because I think genuinely getting rid of Batgirl's death wish. Oh, well, she's, she dies. She's brought back and that's it. Is, is kind of weak, but, but it's still high. Yeah. I, I, I'll give, I'll be really close to you and say 8.5 out of 10 point touches, inappropriate point touches that cause paralysis. I agree with just that one page. I don't like it. Uh, just it doesn't make sense to me. And then, yeah, I don't like that Cassandra par- paralyzes Barbara. <sighs> but I'm the only one here on this show that cares about it. <laughs> Man. What, if, what if they had like a thought, like a little, little, like a flashback panel that's Barbara laying sprawled in the, the broken glass table? clutching her gut then would you have changed your opinion if they actually showed a panel that compared the touching to the to yeah, that the would, joke? i don't know if that'd be necessary well it's not barbara's book so it would have been a bit weird like oh why why can we see inside barbara's head when it's cassandra's book but anyways I, yeah we can we don't have to i would love to hear what people have to say about that though what their thoughts are okay any other thoughts on 25 i love these characters um mm-hmm. again this is this is one of the best characters, you know, and, and not for nothing, you know, these two Asian characters who are drawn differently, but still realistic without looking stereotypical. Mm-hmm. This issue is full of women. Batman's not here. It, the, main, the chief characters are like Batgirl, Oracle, and Shiva. Suicide Guy doesn't count. Uh, a lot of storytelling is done without dialogue. It's character-driven. It's emotional. Cassandra considers Barbara as a mother while going to get killed by her own mother. Yeah. You know, we learn more about Shiva. It's you know, I probably should give it a ten, but I'll I'll, I'll leave it with with a nine just because like uh this is this is what's good in the, the Batman family more so than like you know other stuff I think. Yeah, I 
overall, I would say that I enjoyed it. I think there's just that the storytelling on that that one page confuses me. But yeah, I love the emotional toil and back and forth, you know, that that cast goes through. It's not an easy decision for what she's doing and she realizes it and so to see that and have her struggle with the message to Babs got me and then Bat Bat Jerk of course who will never hear that message. What and did you think about the whole Shiva storyline as a whole? Because this was a storyline. It's true, yeah. She pops up here and there. I liked it. I think it I think it was really interesting. I, I think that it is able to weave in and out of the Cassandra story as a whole and it really ties in with with everything she's going through, training, taking up Batman's belief system and value system, going through what she's going through with the guilt that she's carried for years and what's the value of a human being. All of this is like thread together, losing her ability to read body language. So she's almost the thread that connects all these disparate parts of Cassandra's life. And so I like how that happens. I also like Shiva. I think it was Martin Gray that said Shiva was boring and there's too much Shiva. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, that, that, that disgusts me. It depends on, I think he was on for a Birds of Prey story. I think, I, I enjoy Shiva. I have yet to watch that new animated film that they have, but seeing her always oh, excites yeah. me. So I think I didn't, I don't think she was done well in the Birds of Prey Ooh, what was that? The second no. Gail Simone run? I think that was like the only the the, the poorest incarnation I've I've read. I'm sure there are others that I've just not read, but yeah. Well, both these characters have a lot of versions of them that were where they were done terribly. So yeah, I know it happens to all of us, unfortunately. Unendingly. I know. Okay. Uh, so that's it for our main event. So I just have one listener email and then we'll take a break and then we'll do our modern quickies and we're your recommendation. That's it. Mail time. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. So this actually came from Facebook. I've been having some conversations with this gentleman about Resident Evil. So this is from Jaime Valdez Lopez. He said, I really enjoyed your Resident Evil podcast with Harrison. Don't call him that. This is off the topic of Resident Evil. But one thing I found interesting is that you consider Cloud Strife to be one of those blank slate protagonists. In the original Final Fantasy VII, I feel that term is applicable to Cloud because the player has more choices over his dialogue whereas in the first game of the remake series cloud's character is more defined especially as you put it through his interactions with the other main characters i'm very interested to see where the remake series takes cloud's character from here because while his arc in the original game was going from self-loathing to self-acceptance his role in the remake series is a bit more unclear due to some of the possible story changes of course i'm sure you can go over all this whenever you get around to discussing final fantasy 7 remake in detail to bring this back to Resident Evil, if you're interested in playing other games in the series that aren't quite as dated, I recommend Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2. Also, so long as you don't mind tank controls and fixed camera angles, I don't know, that make me nervous, I recommend the original remake of the first Resident Evil. You can typically find it in a bundle pack with Resident Evil 0, which has its moments but isn't as good as both games were originally released on the Nintendo GameCube back in the early 2000s. I think the graphics of the first 
games remake still hold up pretty well. I actually end up taking your recommendation. I haven't played it yet, but I put Revelations 1 and 2, and then I found 5 and 6 on Gamefly for PS4. So I guess I'll give those a shot whenever. Because I wanted to read this. Thank you for writing in, by the way. But with you, Donovan, I have to say when he wrote, you know, you get around to discussing Final Fantasy VII, I don't think I would do it until all three games were out, but you would be my go-to guy to talk about that. I'm sure that would be a really long podcast, but do you feel like Cloud is a, a blank slate or silent protagonist, whether in the original or in the in the remake? Well, I mean, like I remember when you mentioned that part, and I would not say he's silent because obviously he talks, and even in the original yeah Jaime is right in that like originally there was a lot more like I mean his name doesn't have to be Cloud like you could choose his name choose what he says the remake has options like when Tiffa's making her drink you can choose what kind of drink you want and stuff but I feel that there's there's a little less there's there's less options for you to choose and characterize him than there was in the original in terms of him being the blank slate that's actually eventually a major part of his character and like, I don't mean in like an Ethan kind of way where like, oh, well, he represents this. I mean that like major spoiler, I'm not saying major spoilers, but it's a major spoiler in the second half of the game about his background and who he is. As a like soldier that, or even before that? Yeah, yeah uh, as a soldier, um, what, what happened between him, Tifa, and Sephiroth. And even I, I, even in the last act of the game, like, like there, you learn things about Cloud in terms of like who he is. And that could be described as a blank slate that that become um, oh well, this 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 changes everything or this or this explains everything for me and so some of that is is very much intentional. Gotcha. Do you think that if we did, I mean, that would be what ten years from now? If ten years from now and we're still friends and we do a podcast on Final Fantasy VII remake, I'm just throwing out ten, but I think it took a while. Like five for this one. Didn't it? Yeah. So, oh, it could be 15. So 10 years from now. Yeah. So in 2031, if we podcast about that, do you think that that will be longer than my episode with Harold on The Last of Us Part 2? That was six hours. Do you think we'll break that record? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I like to talk and hear myself talk. Uh, yeah, I know. We can talk all about Jesse Raspberry. Oh, my God. Yeah, we, yeah, I know. <laughs> you still have that voicemail? We could play that voicemail back when I yelled at you. Yeah, okay. Let's do it right now. No, let's <laughs> do right now. Okay. Well, thank you for writing in. Remember, you can yeah choose anything I, I see when the Facebook messages pop up. So I do appreciate that. And you can always email me back or the Oracle at gmail.com or even post on the actual website of the Batman Universe. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're just going to briefly look at Batman 109 and Nightwing 81. But first is ISIS Radio Hour featuring Vertigo by Alice Merton. See you soon.
Welcome back. This is, this should be, I mean, I always say it. Maybe I should never say it. I'm just not going to say it. So we have two modern quickies. One of them's Batman. One of them's Nightwing. We'll do What Are You Wearing, which Donovan really already showed himself, but I'm wearing a special t-shirt and we can talk about Barbara on it. And then literature recommendations and that's it. So modern quickies, if you recall, I will give creator credits and then what the publisher said with the synopsis was and then what Barbara, oh my gosh, most people use their hands. And then what Barbara's role is in this particular book with Nightwing, we'll, we'll just probably flip through and talk about some things, but not too extensive. So we'll start with Batman 109, Cowardly Lot Part 4, writer James Tynion IV, artist Jorge, no, George Jimenez. Uh, it is George. It's George. Um, is it Jimenez? Huh? It's is it definitely Jimenez? Jimenez, but it's George. I only know this because of a patient. And then colors Tomu More. Main story, Mayor Nakano greenlights the magistrate pilot program for Gotham City as Batman goes toe-to-toe with the augmented and bloodthirsty Peacekeeper 01. It's a brutal battle for the ages, but what secrets does Harley Quinn hold about the man beneath the armor? Sean Mahoney. And how does this all play into the Scarecrow's hands? Back up. Ghostmaker is fighting through incredible odds to reach the nefarious Madam... Web, Madam Midas, but will his next <laughs> opponent, Brainstorm, be impossible to overcome? Brainstorm is one of the aliens in Ben 10. That's kind of funny. So, Barbara, she updates Bruce on what has happened in the city because he's finally gotten rid of his matches alone. He's been incommunicado. And the threat of scare, the Scarecrow of t- attack while he was on his little field trip to Wonderland, as she says. She's also eating some shawarma. Remember, shawarma became very big <laughs> after the Avengers film. Everyone wanted to eat shawarma. Batman tells her to contact Ghostmaker and get Batman some info on Simon Saint. And Batman says that Ghostmaker isn't susceptible to fear toxin in the way that some members of the Batman family are because she actually says, why do we have to reach out to Ghostmaker when you have a bunch of other people that could help you? And it's like, no, no, no. They're susceptible to fear. And this guy's in. So that was interesting. Mm. And Oracle basically has to bust her way into his into Ghostmaker's system to actually talk to him so she's really gotta work her technological magic so that's basically it i think she's still wearing the same outfit that she did three parts ago which is fine maybe it's one night we can allow this okay and then we've got nightwing 81 leaping into the light part four writer tom taylor artist bruno redondo and colorist adriano Lucas. Dick Grayson trades out his extremist sticks for a magnifying glasses. Okay. And a sleuth hat to investigate Blue Haven's new mayor, Melinda Zuko, and find out how the daughter of the man who murdered Dick's parents came to power in Nightwing City. But his investigative adventure is cut short when he comes face to face with the most horrendous villain in the history of Blue Haven, Hartless. Oh, would you agree? As a Someone who knows Nightwing, is that the most horrendous villain he's ever faced in Blue Haven, I suppose? Uh, kind of interesting. That's an extreme statement to make. My mind is going through the Rolodex of Nightwing Rose Galleries. I mean, I guess that like cutting hearts out of the homeless people is pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, Torque wasn't doing that. Brutal wasn't doing that. Oh, Double Dare wasn't doing that. Uh, I mean, he's. He, he has so much more to go, but we'll see. <gasps> we'll see indeed. Okay. So we mentioned this or 
in passing, I guess we mentioned it, but Barbara, if I scroll, 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 is a jerk. How dare you say that? <laughs> but Barbara here, my first, maybe I'll come back to it. Gosh, because apparently I'm going to have to flip through a bunch of stuff. I will say, oh, I, I should have said that in the beginning. Yeah, Oracle can't see what Nightwing is up against since Heartless has his clothing covered in infrared lights and it's blinding the camera. Mm. Uh, if you remember, she's looped in basically to his gear his mask uh and dick has to narrate the fight to her which is funny maybe because mainly because heartless is saying do you normally narrate your fights and later in the fight she actually patches in the maritime distress channel and the boats are named after previous nightwing yes they are so devin of course was one of the first ones that i had yeah devin and tim seeley yep jurgens Rick Leonardi. Um, yeah. Fernandez, I did not recognize. Um, yeah. Fernandez I, uh, is, uh, was one of the artists from Nightwing Rebirth. The one oh, I, okay. did, I missed out on when I wrote my review was Constant. And that was name of a creator during um, Future State. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And it, yeah, the whole thing, if, if anyone has seen Dunkirk, it certainly felt like that, where basically it was like an all call, like, please come and help. We've got these kids on this pier. And then Nightwing was really, it was, it was a great scene though, because no one's responding and Nightwing has such faith in the city, like, please come to our aid. And then they do. So that, that was great. And okay, here we are. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> And I was prepared for something because Donovan had, he usually gets review copies and he says, you know, pay attention to, he texted me and said, pay attention to Barbara's shirt and let me know. (laughs) And yeah, so it's that slapping scene. And of course she's, she's pulling it off with a nice little blazer, but do yeah. Do you think that there should have been a conversation or or Dick should have said, why are you wearing that? (laughs) And he he wakes up from a from a concussion and, and like that's the first thing he sees and she's like yeah what and, and like and like I don't, it, when oh. she says I have three I know this reference to like their names which is a nice line but it's also yes. like three copies of their shirt but like uh I do like the little blink and you miss it visual references it's 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 funny and again like you know I like the fact that like this is not really the point we're talking about but, like so far the supporting cast is like Dick uh, Babs and Tim yeah that's really awesome. I love it. And and those are, and it's interesting to think back to, we did Bruce Jerk Murderer and those sort of that triangle of Bruce, you know, this Bruce wouldn't murder Bruce may have Bruce's, you know, acting a bit weird. And, and, and it was those three, those three, it was, yeah, it was those three people having those challenging conversations. So it's nice to have these and they all have distinct relationships with each other. So I, I agree. And then the little dog, the dog is really, it's catching on. So now bite wing and <laughs> Dick also wants to name her Haley. And so that's, yeah, where the, you know, Robin has. That's interesting. Robin, wouldn't he also have three names? Or does he, like, consider Red Robin defunct now? Or that didn't uh, That's a good point. Well, yeah, because obviously, like, two names is, like, you know, they're, they're secret identities. But it's also, like, with, with Barbara, like, I have three. Like, Babs, Bart, Batgirl, and Oracle. You think with Tim, it would be, like, either Tim or Robin or Tim, Red Robin. Drake <laughs> oh, <laughs> or Robin. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? 
Babs also good. looks. What'd you say? This artwork is awesome. Oh, I agree. I was just about to say, like, yeah, it's beautiful, and and the layouts and and things. I think there's another scene of him. yeah, like this. I like these little sort of schematic. No, I guess not really schematic, but showing what he is doing very yeah. precisely in the in the motions and, and physics. And his and his sticks are much more functional now. I, I, they usually yeah, were just yeah. like martial arts artist items, but now they're like uh, they can do a lot more things, which is kind of cool. Yes. I was going to sort of critique, I guess, this, just that Barbara is looking into the new Mayor Zuko. I found it a little unbelievable that she can't find unredacted files. I mean, she's broken into all sorts. Of, I think she broke into the NSA. She's breaking into the Pentagon and using their satellite system and, and Birds of Prey. So I feel like she could break into the FBI and find a copy that was uh, before uh, a magic marker. Took <laughs> but that's just me and being really nitpicky on Barbara Gordon stuff. Uh, I do really like Dick and or not Dick uh, Babs and Tim being concerned for his health and and just that one line. Uh, you have a concussion. You're supposed to be more sensible than Bruce and, and right. Tim being the one to say that. Yeah. So I just love you know not only having these two coworkers and working alongside him, but also being family members and friends and really holding him accountable and keeping track of him and, and also showing care and everything. So I think it's such a multidimensional relationship that we're seeing in this book between the main character and his cast. A couple points. Yeah, um, please. One, that panel of, of Dick that we're looking at is really hunky. Even I'll admit that. Thank you. <laughs> also, and this is a detail. Do you have like- any butt shots, by the way, in this? Oh, maybe when he's Nightwing. I mean, yeah. it's not like, no, no, it's not a scene of like him needing a, a, a shot in Oracle administering or whatever, but like, um, also this is a detail that hardcore Dick Grayson fans always point out. Like if you're a big time, like, like my personality is like Dick Grayson fans this is what they point out. He has just as many scars as Bruce Wayne on his body. Mm. And Bruno Redondo has, has consistently depicted that, which shows not only that's interesting, which makes sense because he's been fighting crime since he was a kid, yeah. but also like, they're all about that level of his of his life but but really my, my second point is that like when tim says you're supposed to be more sensible than bruce this is kind of the funny thing about these characters because yeah he is but dick is uh similar to bruce in some ways as well and sometimes people uh when i say people i mean like members of that family tend to forget that you know they were the dynamic duo for a while every now and then dick will act like bruce in ways which are kind of unexpected and in, in kind of being determined to track somebody down at the cost of their own health you know, Dick was raised in a, in a household where that was like standard fare. So, you know, yeah, I thought, I that, think, I thought that was yeah. a neat character beat. Absolutely. Yeah. And those are the two characters, I think, Babs and Tim, that would call him out on that. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they did not grow up in Wayne Manor. Yeah. How about you don't do that? I love this scene. <laughs> I think it's so cute. Like, they're finally bonding because it's taken a couple issues that basically the dog has just been a yapper. But just to have... Haley slash Bitewing sleeping with him, and it's like, oh, look at this. So I'm, I think that this is a cute little. <laughs> I think it changes Dick's dynamic a bit as a character just to have this dog with him. So, and then of course, still wearing Barbara's camera. So I really love that because she's asking him like, where are you? What are you <laughs> doing right now? And he's like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm resting. And then. <laughs> You know, you're still wearing your camera. I may have forgotten that. And then she says, well, yeah, because you have a head injury and all. So just a, it's a like fun that scene back from, uh, and forth. 
it's like that scene from the last issue where it's like, so Barbara slipped over, huh? You know, I'm still on this channel, right? <laughs> oh, I love that little Chibli or what is Chib- Chib- Chibli? Chibli? Chibi, yeah, Chibi Barbara. And then you have a, a member of the Wakandan. Dora Milaje. Yes, thank you, right there. <laughs> And on your left, I love that. I mean, I thought immediately of Captain America and Falcon on your left. But I I love how she's the one who can see it when he's not. So definitely helping out. And I think the last thing was just very shocking. And I said, the fudge, she's his sister. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this uh, we're really going to have to see where this goes. Because I was like, okay. In in um, Taylor's defense, you know he's had three issues of steady buildup. We're reintroduced to the characters we love. You know he's, he's not been going crazy with like this, this, this. I think it's a problem with new writers when they come into a, a popular character. They introduce new things far too quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we're we're changing things. You know, I think the smart thing was that Taylor kind of had us at reintroduces the characters. We felt comfortable, and now here's his big storyline twist, and he's absolutely within his means to do that i was talking about this with josh we've reestablished repeatedly that like dick's family is a bat family so what place would a surprise long lost sister have in his supporting cast so i trust taylor to figure this out but right now i'm very ambivalent ambivalent about this as well as the fact that like this character has connections to not only john grayson but tony zuko and boss maroney yeah so it's it, it, that that is a lot at once. So I'm willing to see where it goes, but I was like, "Ooh, I don't know." But this guy's earned my trust, so I'm willing to go in here blindfolded. Does that change the character greatly? The fact that his, I mean, just to find out that oh, my father had an affair potentially with some other woman. <laughs> Uh, I mean, do you think that that's something that will irrevocably change the character or is it negligible? Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, like, because, you know, he didn't he only knew his, his dad for like 12 years. I mean, it reminded me of a storyline in Gotham Knights where and I don't know if you're good at this or not. I'm, I'm, I don't remember how often Oracle showed up in, it's in Gotham Knights. But uh, there's a time where like Bane came to Batman saying, yo, your dad had an affair with my mother. Or we are half brothers. And it turned out that actually his father was King Snake. <laughs> but it, it reminds me of that. Okay. I think that's it for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I did not see this coming. And then she's yeah. just like, you know, normally in comics, something prevents the, the hero's mask from being taken off. So like how it's already off was really shocking as well. It's like, yeah. Oh. I was like, I was like, should that happen? Now it's happened. I remember the first miniseries where Dick gets this black and blue costume. Someone like like he's captured and his mask is immediately uh, taken off. Oh, so it's like, do you think after all these years you would fix that? But uh, whatever. <laughs> I guess not. Okay, and I think that's it. I think that's it for that. So we're both still digging it, and Tom is also really enjoying it as well. So I'll speak for him. Oh yeah, it's a fantastic uh, run so far. Absolutely. Okay. So the, what are you wearing now? This is, you're not going to be able to see the whole thing, but it's, it's superheroes have issues too. So they have examples of different things. Anger management, painfully shy. Yeah. So Barbara says, says it's right at the bottom. It says, Mrs. Right now. 
So I take issue with this. What man wrote that? I know that's what I'm saying. Number one, the fact that says Mrs. I think because she's a feminist, I would probably say it would have to be MS period. And then also, I don't think I've ever seen her like that. It's not like she leaps into danger with now, apart from like her first case, she would never, she always does her detectiving work. Uh, I'm speaking from bronze age of when, because this, she's in the gray Well, she's in the blue cow, so I assume it's probably the gray and blue. But I just don't see that that's her at all. I don't know what moniker, what's happening? I don't know what moniker or issue I would give her, but I would not give her Mrs. right now. Um, Bookworm? Yeah, that could be Ms. Bookworm, Ms. Uh, Overachiever, maybe. Ms. Anal Retentive. I don't know. Something like that. Miss, I told you so. Yeah, not this. I'm like, you don't know her at all. And then Penguin <laughs> is morbidly obese. I didn't think he was that big. <laughs> kind of, kind of, kind of body shaming. <laughs> yeah, but I do. My favorite, I think, is Dark Side. It says need a hug. That one's my favorite. Yeah, that's funny. Like that would that would fix everything. Okay, our final segment is literature recommendations. Since you're the guest, you can go first. What have you been reading? I was reading it today for the purposes of my essay. Oh, is it something called The Power? It's on the list. Yours. Um, did I bring that book up? Yeah, here it is. I don't know if you, I was telling this to Harold the other day. Oh, can you read oh, that or is it backwards? Yeah, Sexual Ideology in the Works of Alan Moore. Yes. Uh, I, this was one of the two essays on the killing joke that I read. And because, because, because there is, there is, or there can be very queer readings into Batman and Joker's relationship. Mm hmm. And so I was kind of reading that to see if there's anything I can kind of like claim upon. And the essay here actually kind of just, it compares a shared, it says there's a shared conversation between them and The Killing Joke and the movie The Dark Knight. It was good, but, but you know, it wasn't so much into the, uh, the heteronormative, homosocial, homosexual connection between the two of them. Is that a recent thing or has there always been sort of homoerotic? attraction between the two that that writers or subtly or non-subtly i mean snyder did it non-subtly well what it is is not so much attraction but it's kind of like what they represent and that representation compares and contrasts i think the most out there like psychological recognition of it was probably that probably started in dark Knight returns as frank miller said that like the way he depicted joker was pretty much he said that the quote was he was a homophobic nightmare Mm. Like, like the idea was that he was so obsessed with Batman that it came out into straight up like gay love, and like Batman, who's typically seen as this like you know DC comics like s- s- rigid masculine figure, is like oh no, like like thematically. Yeah. And since then, writers have kind of got, kind of gone back and forth around it. I mentioned this when you and I did the Killing Joke episode. But I, I reread this essay where popular theorists like oh Batman kills Joker at the end of the Killing Joke. It's like well actually this essay posits that, that he could kiss him because. Batman reaching out and trying to rehabilitate the Joker throughout the entire thing is representative of the two characters penetrating gender norms, mm. you know, especially in, in the realm of, of, a, of a comic book regularity. Like, you know, you learn how to become a person by reading comic books. These are how people act, even if they're in costumes and such. And especially with them, like, like Joker, you know, he has festival colors and stuff. He weaponizes flowers. He weaponizes things that people think are, are, are safe and fun. Whereas Batman... Into the whole like dressing in dark leather kind of thing. Well, as Bruce Wayne's much more of a, an act, much more of a gender performance. There's a lot of like like uh, you can read into a lot of things through that way. In the book that I uh, am reviewing for Dustin, um, 
contested sexuality goes a lot into how there's a lot of gender performance with Batman, how like James Bond on his own time, you know, sleeps with women and buys expensive cars and watches and stuff. But Bruce Wayne does that. So people think that he cares about that. He puts on this performance uh, that he would, he basically puts on a James Bond performance while he goes into his closet and then changes his clothes. And so I've been reading a lot of this just because uh, it's interesting. And also there's a lot to say still about uh, Batman and sexuality. So, well, if DC won't allow pelvic affiliation between Catwoman and Batman, I doubt that they're going to allow a smooch between Joker and Batman on screen. I saw a clip from the new Long Hollywood, the, the Long Hollywood, the Long, <laughs> Long Hollywood, yes, the Long Halloween movie, where I think that like the Joker is like running around causing havoc towards Carmine Falcone. I think at one point he like smooches him in the mouth, <gasps> and I was like. Oh, okay. I guess we're here now. Interesting. The thing that turns me off immediately from that is the... Animation. Yes. Because I guess I would have expected it to look like Tim Sale's artwork. I, I really don't like that they have just not embraced... And I know I understand animation is hard. But like I remember when they were advertising the Killing Joke movie and like it didn't look at all like Brian Bolland. I know they can't exactly do that. But he's trying to look around the middle. I was like, okay, this is a cop out. And with Tim Sale, yeah, he's another extreme artist, but it's not distinctive. And I've seen clips of the animation. I've not seen the movie yet, but it's very stilted. Like characters will be completely straight, and then like their limbs will kind of move back and forth. Like it's like, like it's like a motion comic. And I was like, okay, this this is just annoying. And so much of com- the comic reading experience is atmosphere. If you recreate the atmosphere, then that's where it is. Like I honestly think that the best comic book adaptation that they've done is the Dark Knight Returns specifically the third chapter where he is fighting the Joker? Because that feels like the comic book. But a lot of times, they have a hard time replicating how it looks because they need to streamline it for animation. And I think they're kind of like uh, just be, be, ending up being an inferior product. Except, except for some cases, like, like Under the Red Hood or uh, uh, New, Frontier, New Frontier. I thought it was pretty Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I would say that really stands out as a very specific art style, and they were able to capture it. So Absolutely. I don't know. I guess it's like the art house. Is that what it's called? Or art? I don't know. House style. That's kind of yeah, what they're in, just like. In house oh, style. Yeah. Because I've not, not watched uh, their Justice Society one, the Superman one, but they look exactly the same. Like they're very thick lines, limited thing. Any other books that you're reading? Uh, I'll let you know when, when I start The Power because I'm almost done with Gravity Falls. Okay. Yeah. And then once you finish The Power, I'll watch uh, Jimmy Neutron. What's it called? Not even Steven I watched it be Neutron. Steven Universe. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I made you a promise, but it's taking your... I fall through on my promises. Okay, so of course I've, I've read a bunch. I finally read The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration, The Age of Colorblindness ah. by Michelle Alexander. So I learned a great deal with that. And now I'm listening to season three. Oh, I'm about to finish season three of Serial. And that takes place at looking at some court cases and courthouses and everything. And so I'm seeing a lot of uh, that. And also Virginia is about to legalize marijuana. And so I was thinking to myself, what happens when you legalize marijuana and you have a bunch of people in jail who have had marijuana on them? Do they get free? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, here's hoping for some some change there. I thought you already read uh, the new Jim Crow for whatever reason. I did not. So I've been going through my racial activism books, and so that one uh, I didn't even know about it until who mentioned it. Terry's read it. Yeah, I can't remember. It may have been stamped from the beginning. It was I heard about it in another book, and so I was mm. like, oh, I should read this. 
Uh, was it uh, We're Eight Years of Power? It could have been. It could have been that one. Sometimes now there's like overlap now with all of them. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard this information before, which is good to uh, to refresh. So I read three. Uh, I just as like, oh, I'm taking a break. Three suspense mystery romance novels uh, in a series that I like. It's been a while since I've read from them. They're all by the same author, Julie Garwood. So Sweet Talk, Hot Shot and Fast Track. <laughs> So, hey, man, I'm not ashamed to read this. I then read The <laughs> House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros, which will mm. be the July episode of Required Reading with Tom and Stella. Daughter of a Daughter of a Queen by Sarah Bird, which I enjoyed more than I thought I would because I'm sort of burned out on Civil War stuff. But this was actually good and follows a real life uh, woman. And then I just finished today. The Sun is also Star by Nicola Yoon, which was I also. Read. Oh man, that's been that's been on our uh, shelves for a while. Yeah, I had read everything, everything, and then I saw this. One of my friends is moving to Philadelphia, and she had some books she was giving him. I was like, "Oh, I've heard of this," and she said it was good. So I took a recommendation. I enjoyed it. So, and there's some romance, and I guess it's YA technically, but I enjoy YA. So. Are you reading a lot of, or have you read recently, like, queer romance? I haven't read too many. So there's one that popped up randomly on my Amazon called Some Girls Do, which I think is about, it takes place in high school, and I think there's a lesbian and then a closeted bisexual, and I recommended it to my library i'm like hey you know you might want some more representation and they're like we have taken your recommendation and we'll let you know and it's in there so that'll probably be my next one but other than yeah i feel like graphic novels i've read more queer representation than i have i mean f- well i guess i've read the price of salt aka carol and go tell the bees or tell the bees and Fun Home, I guess, doesn't technically count because that's a graphic novel. But yeah, not as many. Do you have recommendations since it is? It is Friday. Friday. Um, yeah. Have you heard of uh, Sunstone? It's a graphic novel. I haven't. It is. Gosh, I can't, I can't pronounce the artist's name. Um, Stefan Sedgwick, I think he is. He's, he's worked on Aquaman. He's worked on comic books before. He did that Harleen graphic novel. Okay. The Black Label Harleen book. It is a book about two women who uh, kind of fall in love. They find each other. Well, they fall in love. They they find each other online through a BDSM group chat. Oh my God. So they meet and start having these BDSM sessions and through it, they they fall in love. And you know what? It's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Like it is, it is, it is not, I mean, it's, it's technically erotica, but it's not pornography. It's, it's very much like, like the, the Batgirl book. Uh, the Cassandra Pitbull book, and that kind of character kind of drives the action more than anything else. So if you were to read it, I don't know how uh, bashful you would be about it. Is of course, you know, there's, of course there is. It's not exploitative. And it's, it's, it's written and illustrated by a husband and wife team okay. writing about two women. I mean, maybe I'll consider it. I've going through and searching for like romances whenever I see, you know, that BDSM is one of the subject matters. I'm like, Nah, I gotta move on. I'm so sorry. So that's just not it's not my 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 niche. I mean, how heavy is it? We're talking we're heavy beatings. No, no, no. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't no, know. It's, it's not violent. There's just there's okay. just a lot of like like tying up and blindfolding. Okay. And I think some like like light spanking, but it really isn't like it really isn't like like uh 
but it, but it really isn't like like pain for play kind of thing. It's just okay. kind of like this the sensation of like being blindfolded or tied up, and that's really it. And they kind of talk about, oh wow, that was such a thrill. But it's it's not like them going into work the next day looking like they just came from a fight or anything like that. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I would not recommend it to you if I didn't think you would like it. Oh, but but I, you might, okay. I don't know if you will or not. If you think I'll, well, if there are no heavy beatings involved, then perhaps I'll. <laughs> I'm. It's. I don't know. I'm just I saying. I, I don't like to see other people hitting. I don't know. That's just my preference. I understand that's other. You know, other people's preference. There was something I was going to say, and now I've. Uh, I've forgotten. Your brain's just been drained dry. Yeah, I thought. I think it had to do with like a queer representation or recommendation. But oh, oh, oh! I haven't read it yet, but I did get uh, Poison Ivy. Is it called Thorns? Oh, is it that, that YA graphic novel? Yeah. So I was looking forward to that. It's like, out, I think they specified like it's an out of continuity. I'm like, okay. But, have you read the, uh, the, I'm sorry, but have you read the DC Pride issue? No, I have that, but I have yet to. Okay. Do you recommend it? Was it good? Yeah, I right. mean, I'm going to read it, but yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's all right. I, li- I like the the, um, the Festival of Heroes. Well, I was more invested in that one, but this one, I mean, this one's fine. I was, honestly, like the, like the queer heroes in DC, I have a less attachment to. So my engagement was less, but I, I, I didn't read anything that was like bad, right? Like I, I didn't read anything that was like, oh, how'd this get here? It, it, it seemed, it seemed I, I, think it, I think it was well-reviewed as well. I feel like part of the reason why, I mean, I'm, I'm just adding feelings to you that you may not have, but I could totally see you not being connected to them because I feel like they've not been dealt with well. I think Marvel has a good handle on its queer characters, but DC... Besides, I feel like Kate is the most fleshed out character. But I was looking through those and I almost rolled my eye. I probably did roll my eyes at Alan Scott. And I thought, oh, yeah, let me think back to when they brought him out and then killed his lover um, in the first issue. So it, they just don't have a handle on it. So I'm glad they're doing this. Maybe that'll be a good good incentive to, um, to do that. And I feel like they've got queer characters that are really popular but they don't focus on their queerness like wonder woman you could probably do something uh-huh. cat woman like i'm saying but every yeah, woman um, in gotham city except for barbara gordon that might be true <laughs> i think i counted at one point i'm like damn <laughs> oh okay well yeah i guess we could have done something more i'm sorry we didn't do something more pride pride related we could have listen to my podcast there you go. Yes. Yeah. So before you go, thank you, by the way, for coming on and, and defending Cassandra and answering my demands, my demanding oh, questions. Uh, please tell us where we can find and support you. I know Quinoa. Quinoa is alive and well. Yes, we uh, uh, sow and raise the grain of Quinoa so on com. Myself and Harrison, the Garrison Chute. We uh, discuss whatever i mean next we, we uh, had this great episode with some guests on concerning asexual representation not only do we talk about the fact of it but we talked about, we, we uh pondered who in fiction is asexual that's not that's not been said yet and that was fun but that, that episode all, as a whole it was one of the best we've done all year and as of this recording the next one we're going to do is on critical race theory to, to satisfy my anger and yeah, cuteandwishes.com. I also review Nightwing for the Batman Universe.net. Uh, you can see me on Twitter, DonoDMG1, and my articles are still posted on DC Infinite if you're interested in reading those. Thank Maybe. you for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Maybe 
we as in you on quinoa because you do random commentaries anyway should do a commentary on alien four and it would be interesting to because you would have no con well you've seen alien and aliens but to see four would be another beast altogether and then of course harold would be there defending it and i would be there what's 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 is it just called alien four uh i think it's called alien resurrection i can't remember it also has that shoplifter. I can't remember her name now. Oh, uh, Renona Ryder. Was it that real? Yes. Renona Ryder. The shoplifter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Winona. I know that you've paid your penance for that, but you always. It also has that shoplifter. You see her on a wanted sign right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Cassandra, that little assassin. Yes. So there She's known as Cass on the streets. Yeah. Ugh. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, well, yeah, I look forward to that. Is do you talk about asexuality specifically? We hit it all. And then you you go off and, and you talk about representation and what characters could be. Yeah, no, and it's all down to our guests, uh Alex Jaffe and uh Professor Chris Creary. Like they just Ooh. go into it. They talk about, you know, like um, you know, their personal experiences, how they see it, the different delineations, how mm-hmm. how it's utilized what alleged straights like you and i should be doing as allies um but it's a really fun conversation it's not very like academic or stoic and you know we, we get into various characters and it's just i don't know it, it was like a really spirited conversation that i think was very universal uh well also extremely educational yeah no uh, it was a it was a fun time uh i might, I might listen to it again just because it was, it was it was done so well and like you know i know harry and i didn't go on a lot um, I don't really have a lot of regrets about that, but you know, sometimes a short episodes are much more u- useful. And this one's like about an hour and change, so I think that like it's a it's a nice, digestible, solid, educational, uh, entertaining recording that we did. I can't, I can't wait. I'd love to hear what their thoughts are on a YA book I read two years ago called "Let's Talk About Love," and um, who had, and it has an asexual woman as or i guess young lady as its lead and i had some trouble with it i was like this i don't know about this but i'd like to hear yeah what they have to say but i think that's great because i I think a lot of people don't really think about asexual people you know and that because you kind of cut off lgbt and like those are the letters (laughs) mostly you know and then what is it question mark and i think everyone has this idea but really I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like asexuality, even though sexuality overall has a spectrum, I feel like asexuality also has its own spectrum of like, what does that mean for me? And and how does this? Yeah. How do I, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I won't say much beyond that because I don't want I don't want people to listen to the episode, but we yes. get all into it. It's not it's not just one imaginable thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. OK, well. Remember, you can send any questions or comments to backgirltheoracle at gmail.com. Where can they reach you if they have problems with what uh, your girl did to Barbara? Kina West is at gmail.com. And, and then say, Dear Harry. <laughs> we hate Cassandra's <laughs> paralyzation of Barbara. I hope they do. You can also find the show on Google Play and Stitcher. I should go on 4Bit. 4chan, what's it called? And ask for trolls. Trolls? Could you play? <laughs> They'll, they'll store my capital. <laughs> I know. I won't do it. Uh, you can find the show on Google Play and Stitcher, like the show on Facebook, or follow it on Twitter at Batgirl the Oracle. Subscribe to the show on YouTube for an uncut version, as you've been seen. Follow the Batman universe on Facebook and Twitter.
here as well and support the Batman universe by subscribing to Patreon. Once again, thanks to Mile High Comics for sponsoring Back for the Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. And until next time, which will be Bruce Jerk Fugitive. <gasps> the last time we see Donovan um, on this <laughs> show. Well, what do we say? Fly on, Babs. Fight on, cast lovers. Okay, uh. that's, we don't say that. We say fly on, Babs, Babs lovers. lovers. Flee on, Bruce Wayne murderer. Oh, Bruce Jerk. Just plain Barbara Gordon masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you?